Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's up, everybody? Let's do this. Game day for the Winnipeg Jets. Bombers heading off to Hamilton to defend their Grey Cup. We've got a packed Winnipeg Sports Talk coming up for you right here on WST Daily. Great to have you with us. Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus. Mike McIntyre is going to join us from the Winnipeg Free Press. Lots to get to for the home team heading into tonight's matchup with Rod the Bod and the Carolina Hurricanes. A suspension to Neil Pionk. We are waiting, awaiting NHL player safety's decision on Jason Spezza coming out to choose uh, Sunday night's game. And of course, we got to talk bombers. And who better to do that with than the best O lineman to ever play in the Canadian Football League? You know him as Big Bluto, contributing on Bonfire Sports with Darren Bombing. And Chris Walby will join us coming up in about 15 minutes on the program. Um, shout out to everyone that's joining us live on YouTube. Great to see so many people right here for the starters gun, if you will, on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Going to be a great show today. And a big shout out to all of our sponsors that make the show happen every day, including F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partner over at Cool Bet Canada. Oh, let's dive right into it and welcome in Michael Remus while I welcome everybody in the YouTube chat. Remo, what's up? How are you? Hey, I'm just, uh, we have some uh, breaking Jets news actually right now. Um, you know, we start at one and the waiver, you know, wire comes out at one. Uh, we have a claim to announce. Uh, Tampa Bay claimed Riley Nash. So he's off to Get Tampa. Out. He, yeah, he's uh, Yeah, he's off to Tampa. Well, so, that is interesting. So literally, we're you're uh, you're hearing this uh, if you're listening to this live at the same time we're hearing this. I did not have that happening anytime soon. Did not think that Riley Nash was going to get picked up off on waivers. Um, but there you have it. Uh, Tampa looking for, uh, I guess, some some grit, a little bit of extra um, bo- an extra body for the lineup. I'm not sure. We'll have to check in on what the injury situation is in Tampa. Um, but I'll say this, I mean, and this is with all due respect to Riley Nash, um, you know, he wasn't really a difference maker at any point for the Winnipeg Jets. They brought him in ostensibly to be a depth player that was going to contribute on the PK. The PK hasn't been very good. At times he hadn't even been on it, was a healthy scratch earlier when they were going 11 and 7, and was the guy designated for assignment when the Jets needed to call somebody up to uh, replace Neil Pionk, which we accept will uh, expect to happen at some point. Um, and listen, I don't believe that and Riley Nash was fine, um, you know, did some good things. But as I said, was uh, was at the bottom of the uh, level of importance, I think, amongst players here. And the other side of it, Remo, is that. Maybe this is the break that a guy like David Gustafson needs that when the team returns to full health without Nash as part of the organization right now, the Gus bus will be uh, making a short drive from the moose dressing room down to the jet dressing room. And we'll see David Gustafson up at the big club, getting a chance to play once again in the national hockey league. Yeah. I think eventually uh, this opens the door (laughs) for the Gus bus. What do you Tampa needed? Yeah. Tampa needed a, (laughs) Power play specialist with Kucherov out. According Touché, to Mitch. Mitch. Touche. I, I think in the short term, um, they'll probably call up a defenseman 
um, to for Neil Pionk. We can get into that. He got suspended for two games, but is out with a concussion, so they can't put him on on IR. So they'll you know use the two games. So they'll probably and he's not going on the road trip. So they'll call up a defenseman. But yeah, I think for long term, this does open the door for the Gus bus to get called up. We'll wait and see. But I I'm surprised that he got claimed. And you know maybe John Cooper, smart guy, and uh, Breezeball, the GM, saw Riley Nash a bit more last year in the East. And um, although and then uh, they think you know he can help their team. I know they're missing some guys too. But I'm surprised you know surprised that he got. We're not used to seeing guys get picked off from the Jets off waivers, although Spiza did at the beginning of last season. And uh, here's the big Riley Nash news to start the show. Yeah, uh, (laughs) as I said, did not see that coming, but Riley Nash claimed by the Tampa Bay Lightning, as Mitch uh, from uh, Winnipeg Hockey Talk mentioned, Tampa Bay looking for a power play specialist uh, (laughs) with Kucherov out. God, that's a funny line, Mitch. Um, But for right now, I mean, the focus is going to be on the lineup tonight. And uh, Remo, the uh, top three or four lines for the Winnipeg Jets will remain unchanged after just this offensive explosion on the weekend of 14 goals, which was a long time coming. Um, but of course, as you mentioned it, Neil Pionk has been suspended by NHL player safety. It happened just shortly after we finished the program yesterday, a two game suspension for the kneeing incident on the weekend. Um, but he's going to miss more than two games. As Paul Maurice mentioned, he won't be playing tonight and he will not be accompanying the Winnipeg Jets on the road trip. And, uh, well, I know Jet fans are going to hope that that is taken into consideration with the in-person hearing afforded Jason Spezza this afternoon uh, because, well, Neil Pionk's going to miss two games. He's going to miss more than that uh, because of Spezza's knee to the head in about as defenseless a position as you will see a player in Neil Pionk who didn't have a stick, was playing a puck with his hand, Um, And it was aggressive, retaliatory move that was incredibly dangerous. It has apparently resulted in an injury. So I don't think that's very good for Jason Spezza's case when he goes to uh, meet with NHL player safety at some point this afternoon. Yeah, that was the big news today uh, from Paul Maurice saying Pionk won't accompany them on the road trip. He's in concussion protocol. And so Spezza has an in-person hearing. And um, we'll get into the Jets lines, and then we can talk about the Leafs response at their media availability they're still talking about this loss they're still uh, not happy about it. i know they're probably getting asked the questions and they're just responding but i mean the leafs twitter uh the last you know <laughs> couple days has been absolutely insane and i thought unhinged is the yeah, best way to unhinged. describe it. it it's bringing reminding me a lot of um after the mark shafley hit on Jake Evans. But here are the lines, you know, the forward lines, the same Connor, Shafley, Wheeler, Cop, Dubois, Ehlers, Stasny, Lowry, Veselin, and Harkins, Tony Natto, Svechnikov, and Evgeny Svechnikov was asked at the media availability about going up against his brother, Andre. And we have on defense, Morrissey, Schmidt, Dylan is going with Logan Stanley. Paul Murray saying he wanted Logan Stanley on his off wing, wanted to see it. It's possible that's going to be changed mid-game, but they, they want to see... They think he can bring more offense. They want to see that. That's two big dudes paired together. And then DeMello and Beaulieu, they, those guys on their normal wings, and Hellbuck in net. But, yeah, Neil Pionk, oh, with a concussion, and I, I agree. I mean, that was a stupid play. I tweeted today, I think it was Jeff Kabilis in chat yesterday, saying you can't even do that move in the UFC. Jason Spezza coming in with a flying knee to the head of a downed opponent. That's just a gross move. I mean, intent to injure. If you're going to get back at a guy, make sure you do it, you know, as part of the game, you know, wait, you know, wait to do, to do that and how to attacking a guy, uh, you know, when he doesn't have the puck while he's down. 
I mean, I know it's, it's shocking here that we're talking about Jason Spetz and Neil Pionkas. Like, have these guys ever delivered a body check before this? Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, we all know that Connor, that uh, Neil Pionk already had residents rent free in the entire city of Edmonton. And now yeah. <laughs> Pionk, Pionk Inc. has spread the property management operation into the center of the universe in Toronto. And I will tell you that Neil Pionk is very much on the minds of Leaf fans right now. And they'll probably be even be more outraged at Neil Pionk when uh, their darling Jason Spezza gets suspended for four games or five games or six games or whatever we hear today. It's important to note, though, that... This was a an in-person hearing. Um, you know, when players are afforded an in-person hearing, it gives NHL players safety the option of suspending for five games or more. So that is absolutely on the table. And I know many people in our chat are going to think that that's quite appropriate. Um, but it, it has been weird how, and I mean, I'm not talking just crazy unhinged fans that, you know, are breathing with their mouth on Twitter. I mean, there's been a lot of actual somewhat legitimate media people kind of praising Jason Spezza for being somewhat of an Avenger uh, in the game. And I mean, listen, if you if it was the other way around, you knew that things would be uh, the, 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 the tone would be a little bit different. Um, and it is a little weird that it is Jason Spezza, because I think if, if you had told me before the game that there would be this sort of an incident and that, you know, pick a player on the Leafs that would do something reckless and dangerous that would endanger an opponent that would get an in-person hearing. Spezza would have been one of the last players that I would have guessed. Um, but to be honest, if you told me a year ago that the guy that would be in the heads of the entire city of Edmonton and Toronto was Neil Pionk, I'd probably say you got to be kidding as well. So uh, I don't know how we got here, Remus, but here we are. A lot going on around the Winnipeg Jets with some of their other Canadian rivals. But when it comes to tonight, a big matchup against a Carolina Hurricanes team who started as well as any in the National Hockey League, but, um, you know, have not been playing that well as of late, although they got back on track. They sort of resembled the Jets, to be honest, a, a little bit. A nice start, poor recent play, a bit of an offensive outage, but the Buffalo Sabres seem to be just what the doctor ordered for the Canes as they put up a half a dozen in their last game to break their losing streak. And uh, now they'll come in, still one of the top teams in the National Hockey League, a great test for Winnipeg. And, uh, what should be a, a real interesting game tonight at Bell, uh, at Canada Life Center. Yeah, I say say that uh, it's hard hard to get that one going. Uh, Carolina, I mean, they're got they're a good team. Stanley Cup aspirations. I'm looking forward to it. Will we see a bit of a letdown from the Jets? They had the high of um, of the Wheeler 1000 game. I think it's going to be tough to match that Tuesday night. We know that they uh, had fun responsibly after the game as well. Will that <laughs> will that come into play this evening? Um, will there be any after effects from uh, being responsible after the big win um, on Saturday or Sunday night? So I am looking forward. One thing uh, about Carolina, Winnipegger Seth Jarvis in the lineup, and he's having a really nice start to the season. Apparently, he's having like. 30, uh, I was watching the Jets pregame show, he's got like 30, a group of 30 people, so if you're going to the game and you see a, a ton of Carolina fans, um, watch out for the uh, the Jarvis group there, and he's got 9 points in 16 games, uh, drafted in the first round back in 2020, the 19-year-old uh, from Winnipeg, so that's that's a pretty cool story, but and you also have the Svechnikov Bowl, Andre versus Evgeny, and uh, I know Evgeny was saying his parents are in the crowd tonight for this one. Oh wow, and, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah from uh, from Russia, and you know he had a big snipe the other night, and 
actually enjoyed it listening to Paul Maurice talk about how now that Svechnikov is on the fourth line and Veselin is on the third line, those guys are more of the shooters on those lines. And, you know, Evgeny would, you know, defer to, you know, Connor or Dubois to shoot the puck, but now he's kind of like the shooter there. And um, Veselin and Lowry and Stasi are like, Ves, you got to take these shots. And you've seen him. He's played, I think, some of his best games the last two, including scoring and having a good luck last game. So, well, yeah, uh, he had that goal early in the game, and that seemed to just be the exact boost that the team needed. But also, he and that third line did, and um, you know, and I, I think he had five shots in that game, and I think he had five shots on like the previous seven or eight games. So, I mean, you're not scoring if you're not where you need to shoot the puck and not getting those shots off. And Veselin certainly was doing that. And I do sort of agree with you on Svechnikov. I mean, having those players, if they're playing well, they add something to the bottom six that at times the Winnipeg Jets haven't had. Now, but maybe wasn't as much the case early in the season where there was a bit more of a balanced split amongst that top nine. Uh, but with Connor Shifley and Wheeler together and Ehlers playing along with Dubois and Kopp, um, you know, the, the offense is really loading up in the top six right now, but you need to have players that can still contribute in the bottom six. And certainly Svechnikov and Veselainen had great weekends like many of the, uh, like many of their, uh, of their teammates. Um, you know, you mentioned Logan Stanley. Uh, yeah. Remo, get that one ready. Uh, uh, just quickly. Paul Maurice had a, an amazing presser today. Uh, we'll play as much of that as we can after we talk with Mike McIntyre. So be sure to stick around. Uh, lots of fallout from the Toronto game, uh, as well as Maurice talking about this matchup tonight. But you mentioned that Stanley and Brendan Dillon are playing together. And I'm trying to think, did Buff and Myers ever play together? Because if they didn't, this has to be maybe the biggest defense pairing that we've ever seen for the Winnipeg Jets being uh, iced out tonight by Paul Maurice with Neil Pionk being on the shelf. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think Buff and Myers would because they're both right shots. So I'm going to say probably not. But I think any D pairing with Logan Stanley um, would probably be the tallest pairing. It's like if you, it's like me and Wayne Gretzky combined for the most points in the NHL. It's like when you say that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. Where they're like the Gretzky brothers are the best, the highest scoring brother duo in the NHL. Whenever you you see that, so. Um, yeah, I mean, it might be. I think the two big dudes are going to be tough. I'm curious to see if they stick with it. Um, you know, Paul Maurice said that they're going to look to, you know, they're going to start with that, but then we'll see. Maybe they go a bit top, you know, top heavier. With Everyone wants to see the Dylan-DeMello pairing. That's Brendan Dylan and Dylan DeMello. You know, one of them <laughs> one of them has the last name of the other guy's first name. So I think we'll, we'll wait and see. And I also wonder about the power play. Um, Pionk, huge part of the power play. Um, we saw Morrissey and Schmidt on one of those, and I wonder who takes Pionk's spot. Does uh, I'm saying that I think they're both left shots, so I don't know if they really have a right shot to step in there. Um, that's one interesting thing. Actually, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and Riley Nash isn't even Riley Nash could have been the right shot that could yeah. pop, could have they, popped in there as a PP specialist before with the, with the club. But uh, if you're just t- tuning in right now and you missed the first ten minutes of the show. Riley Nash was, in fact, claimed on waivers today by the Tampa Bay Lightning. So no longer an option, will not be heading to the Manitoba Moose. But you mentioned Stanley, Remo. Let's hear this. Stanley and Svech met the media today ahead of tonight's game. Um, obviously talking about, you know, playing with Brandon Dillon. Svech talking about, you know, building up against his brother with his parents in the house. 
But what everyone wanted to hear from Logan Stanley was a little bit more on Sunday's game. Um, the way he fired up the crowd as he left after the incident with Wayne Simmons and um, maybe even a little bit on the helmet presentation as well, of which he was uh, celebrated by his teammates. Here's what Stanley had to say earlier today. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just an emotional game right from, you know, the start of the day. Everybody knows that it's wheels' day and and, uh, then we're playing the Leafs and and, uh, of course it's a big game for our hockey team too. Um, So I think just you know, emotions throughout the whole game and, and, uh, you know, how it ended. And, um, you know, I was pumped up for the win and, and, uh, I think it was a good way to cap up, uh, you know, a really special day. Is that a, is that a touchdown that you're throwing (laughs) up there? Yeah, I think uh, I had some family and friends in town this weekend. I think they were up uh, in the upper bowl there, uh, right behind the bench. So, um, I think they got a chuckle out of it. What did you think of your teammates reaction to the the helmet presentation electric (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it was funny um you know that's we got such a great team and and we're really close-knit and um you know those are the the moments that you know i'll remember for sure as a player is stuff like that um so definitely a cool moment for me and and just happy to get the win for wheels on on a special night for him yeah. All right, Derek, some good stuff. Spachnikov and Logan Stanley earlier today uh, ahead of tonight's 7 p.m. puck drop it down at Canada Life Center with the Jets and the Carolina Hurricanes. Trust me, there is plenty more smoke coming out of Toronto, coming out of the game. Um, we'll maybe get to more of that later on when Mike McIntyre joins us on the program. Um, but... Let's just say, Remus, is it safe to say that the March 31st game has already been circled on the calendar by the blue and white when the Jets head to Toronto for the second matchup of the season series between these two clubs? Uh, Yeah, of course. I mean, these teams are fired up. Uh, so, um, you know, they played each other 10 times last year. Uh, William Nylander rattled uh, about his countryman Rasmus Sandin's injury. We don't know how serious it is. Um so I think they do have it circled. Again, they played it to each other a lot. We can get into Nylander's uh, quotes, but he basically said that they're looking forward to uh, the rematch. Credit to Remus for not dropping an F-bomb after the self-mute. Um, that was the smoothest transition from realizing that you muted yourself to an unmuting they, as we've maybe ever had in Winnipeg yeah, Sports Talk history. Doing just, a great great job. You just got to pretend that it didn't happen and move on. My dad got <laughs> mad at me for swearing in the chat last week. So um, I realized that it, I looked kind of unprofessional. So I'm going to try to uh, be be a pro on here. You know what? That that's exactly what we are here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. If nothing else, professional. All right, uh, much more on the Jets coming up, but I think we all know it's ring season here in Winnipeg. It's time for the Bombers to head back to the Grey Cup. We're going to get to that with the legend himself, Chris Walby, in just a minute. Um, before we do that, do want to thank our friends at F Apparel, our newest sponsor on Winnipeg Sports Talk, for jumping on board. Andrew and the gang there, a Winnipeg-owned company downtown at 190 Smith Street, making custom suits for men and really a full line of custom clothing for any occasion. Bottom line is every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. I know we haven't been wearing many suits over the last couple of years. Hopefully that will be changing with more events that, you know, we're going to go to where you you need to wear a suit. Um, And F's custom-made suits start at just $400. They're the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. 
And wedding parties do get a 15% off when the group buys their suits from us. But the holidays are here. You may be like me when people are going, oh, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, I don't know. Um, you know, think about maybe a suit. And F's got a great deal on gift cards right now. Any gift card bought online up until Christmas, you get a 15% discount. So a $200 gift card would only cost $170. All sorts of other great gift ideas as well. Find out more or make an appointment at fapparel.com. That's ephapparel.com. Um, our friends at Vita Health are um, continuing to do the great work they've done in Winnipeg for 85 years. Um, you've probably seen it. If you haven't checked out the Vita Health Fresh Market, uh, you're going to want to. It's stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products to help you feel great, look great, and live great. Uh, if you're into organic produce, local grass-fed meats, they've got it all there. And the thing for someone like me that's single and on the run, Delicious sandwiches, amazing salads, all ready at the Grab and Go Deli at all seven stores uh, here in Winnipeg. Seven locations for Vita Health Fresh Market, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, online at myvita.ca, and some other great products, including if you're entertaining this year, uh, they've got some non-alcoholic cocktails. This is the uh, the clever pink gin and tonic. They've also got the sober carpenter beers. Uh, might be a great option to have for folks that are coming over for an event uh, but don't want to drink but would like to have something in and around the holidays. And, uh, and of course, our friends at Culligan Water are the water experts in town. Um, there's a lot going on at Culligan going into the weekend, but the into the holidays, I should say. But you've got enough on your hands with holiday hosting. With a Culligan water softener, you'll cut down on those hard water stains for sparkling clean sinks, tubs, and showers. Everyone will will appreciate and will keep that hard water stains off your glasses and dishes for a holiday sparkle that even your mother-in-law will love. Also, a great December promotion going on at Culligan. Enjoy Culligan water for $9.99 for the first three months. Or give the gift of Culligan Water for just $9.99 for the first three months. Give Keenan the gang a call over at Culligan Water, 204-694-5180. You can visit them at 1200 Sargent or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. All right. I got my bomber hat on. It's probably going to be on all week. There'll be a lot of blue and gold around the city, and there's going to be a ton of blue and gold invading the hammer Let's recap a legendary day at IG Field and look ahead to the Grey Cup with our man, the legend himself, Chris Walby, who joins us now. Bluto, thanks for doing this, man. It's great to have you back on the program. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Huss. It is great to be here. Uh, you know, I was one of the, I got to tell you first off, and I think you mentioned it in one of your tweets, what a great crowd. I mean, that weather, we stood out there and signed autographs in Alumni Alley. And it was cold. I mean, uh, you know, playing in this weather before as, a, as an old vet, but still standing in there, you know, you're wearing the coat, you got the hat on, and people are just going crazy. They're singing songs in the stands. I got to tell you, it gave me chills to watch that. I just thought to myself, what a great experience for all those people, those 30,000 plus that attended this game. Uh, just a great way to send off uh, Bob Irving as well. So, yeah, it was a fantastic day. You know what? I mean, we're both from here. I mean, uh, you, of course, have been uh, in the stands, but probably more often in big games like that on the field back in your playing days. Um, I've been to just about every game for the better part of my lifetime. That was one of the most special environments 
I've ever been in my life. And I mean, I've been to games, you know, I've been to the World Series. I've been to the AFC Championship game, Super Bowls. That was so, and and I guess maybe being someone from Winnipeg and just seeing the bond between this team and this fan base and the way the fans showed up and turned up for three full hours in, let's face it, dude, this was Arctic conditions. Um, I think in a lot of ways, you know, we, we started to say, oh, the fans really helped the team win. I honestly believe that that crowd powered the Bombers through those early miscues, kept the belief level, and maybe the standard, the expectation that they they had to get a win for all those sorts of reasons. But one of the biggest ones was the 31,000 plus in the stands that were on their feet, bringing it from the f- first kickoff until that final whistle and more. Yeah, you know, I, I I talked, I had three of my four boys there and my last one was working, he's a fireman and he I wanted him to bring my grandson because he went to one game this year and I got a picture of him in his mouth wide open with excitement and, you know, it's the youth, it's the younger players that were going to get, you know, uh, it, it, you know, invigorated and joining into this whole new fan concept. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I, I was jacked. I love the matchup. I always love when we have a Prairie rivalry. Uh, I thought it was a game that... Uh, you know, I, I always wanted, you always didn't want to have the weather being intangible or an X factor, but it was a little bit. I mean, but I got to give, hey, listen, you got to give the riders uh, some credit here, man. Um, boy, I tell you what, they were a hungry bunch. They forced, like I say, five turnovers in the first half alone. But the bomber defense, again, they just don't give up big plays. And, uh, you know, to, to any team that you lose the turnover battle, uh, you know, two to, well, they had, what, six to two. You shouldn't be winning that football game. Uh, you know, the odds are, if you're an odds maker, if you're a guy betting money on that, you're saying there's no chance. But they find a way to win, and uh, they scratch it out. Just a great win for the city, and uh, I'm excited. I think this is fat. I actually forgot that we only played Hamilton once this year. Their first game. I had to look it up. I was looking at my stats going, okay, so let's see the two games, because usually you play them twice. One time, the first game. And boys, a lot changed since then for both teams. You know, uh, it, it's a great point. We'll get to more of the matchup coming up. But I just going back to like, let's talk about the first three minutes of the game. The Bombers get the ball. They go all the way down. Nick Dembski catches yeah. that ball 99 times out of 100. Um, and maybe that was the first inclination that these conditions were unique. And even a team that had been, you know, as responsible with the football as the Bombers might be having issues. That gets picked off by Ganey. Well, they get the ball back. They go right down to put it in. And then the fumble on the goal line that goes back 100 yards. Next thing you know, it's 7 nothing Riders. I mean, at that point, it should have been 14 nothing Blue yeah, Bombers. Absolutely. And they're down by 7. I mean, what's going through your head at that time, Chris? Uh, just a, a wonderment. Uh, pinching myself. Am I really watching this game? Is this a dream, a bad dream, a nightmare, if you would? Uh, but yet the efforts there. I mean, you know, when you talk about the Dembski one, you know, that's the way the wind was blowing. Remember, it was blowing heavy snow, and it was just, you know, so he turned to catch that ball. And I, I agree with you 100%. Nine out of ten times, that guy's catching a football. He's been a, a great receiver for us all year. Of course, it goes off his hands, gaining with the interception. Wallatarski struggling for that goal line, fighting to fight. They ripped the ball out. Um, you know, and I, I you took the – I couldn't put it any better. They should be a 14 nothing. And I think a lot of fans would have said, oh, here we go, baby, because I think the whole game would have changed had they scored 14 right off the bat. But they kept allowing Saskatchewan to stay in there. And, uh, you know, after that, I was thinking, what's going on? And then there was the back-to-back, the interception, and another fumble. I'm like, what's going on here, man? It just seems like no matter what happens, we are shooting ourselves in the foot. But, again, you know, like I uh, said earlier in uh, talking to you here, man, 
this defense does not give up big plays. Uh, well, they gave up the one to Duke Williams. It's about the only one. But having said that, wow. Uh, what a performance. That's what you love about playoff. That might be one of the best games I've watched in a long time. I mean, aside from maybe the NFL game where was that guy yesterday? Was Detroit Lion only threw two passes? Oh, like yeah. <laughs> the this. hell do you win a football game on two passes? I, I had to read that again. I went, what? No, it's probably at 12. Two. Yeah, two God. of three for 19 yards. Isn't Mac Jones tough? last night. Game. In the so game against the Bulls. Year. Who knows? Well, the funny thing is, I was saying to Remus off air, or maybe it was Dustin Nielsen when we were doing the lock shop earlier today. I turned the game on last night and I saw the pictures of the Bills Stadium, Ralph Wilson Stadium, yeah. with the wind going crazy and the snow everywhere. And it was at that moment I realized I still hadn't fully warmed up from Sunday at that point. Oh, yeah, it was right. taking me right back to where I was before. Um, but as far as the Bombers go and, and the way that they were able to survive their five turnovers in the in the, uh, in the the first half, you mentioned the way the defense played. Um, you know, I, and I, Mike O'Shea touched on this a little bit, but, I mean, they realized that, you know, being down three points for this team is not yeah. a big deal. First but the I fact thought. that you had had so many self-inflicted mistakes in a in a half, never mind a football game, and yet we're still right in there. Um, I think there was still a lot of confidence. It certainly there was amongst fans because of where the game was at. I mean, if it's a 17-point deficit, we're probably having a different conversation. Um, but the yeah. defense kept them in that football game, and uh, you just had to feel sooner or later the offense was going to start clicking. They did, but a big part of that was Andrew Harris. But a couple of huge passes. I mean, we talked about Dembski. He had some nice runs. To me, the Lawler catch spreading oh, out, yeah. I mean, spectacular. Big part of that touchdown drive. And Darvin Adams had a pretty quiet year. I thought that the touchdown, the uh, the sorry, the catch that he had yeah. for a big first down on the subsequent drive going in for the go-ahead touchdown. Two massive plays that stood out because the main thing the Bombers did was run the ball down the throats of the Riders as you want to do in those sort of conditions. Well, you think about it, right? You're talking about I, I, the guy. I just think Zach Kolaris. I mean, right away we know he's going to be MOP. There's no way uh, that you know, and I, you just can't see it going any other way in any other direction right now. I mean, no, no offense to the guy running back in Montreal, but I mean, you think about the two passes: the Dembski interception should have been a touchdown, the Walatarski should have been a touchdown. That's two more receptions, so he would have been 19 out of 21. Think about that; it's crazy. Like uh, he throws a ball, and I watched him throw one almost like the Kansas City quarterback sidearm, you know, running to the right, throwing a little sidearm pass. And I think it might have been the Dembski. It might have been the Rashid, Rashid Bailey. Uh, but, I, but I looked at this guy and said, he's just doing it all right now. He is on such a high. He's throwing the ball so effective. And if you can throw the ball that well in those kind of conditions, you know, uh, I, you know I'm listening to everybody talk about him. Uh, I listened to uh, the guy, uh, Craig Dickinson from uh, Regina, and they just say he looks like a different quarterback since the beginning of the year. He is. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's healthy. He's got the best old line of football in front of him right now, so he's never getting touched half the time. So, I mean, man, if they just keep doing that again, uh, you know, it looks good going this weekend. But uh, we'll get into Hamilton because Hamilton's a different uh, bundle of uh, energy right now than they were in the first game. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. But I want to talk about Andrew Harris. But before yeah. we talk about Andrew Harris, you just mentioned it. I spent plenty of time yesterday talking about it. This Winnipeg Blue Bombers offensive line oh, has God. literally been the foundation of a turnaround that began a number of years ago. 
And if we think about how the Bombers won as underdogs in Calgary in 2019, it's pretty simple. They kicked the Tiger Cats' ass on both sides of the line of scrimmage for 60 full, painful minutes. Um, They did it again to Saskatchewan. Um, I mean, no one knows all O-line play better than you. Um, And I know you pay close attention to it while while it was on. Um, What did you make of what the Bombers were able to do? Even when things weren't going their way with the turnovers in the first half, I thought they made a statement right off the first possession that they were going to be bringing it to the rider front for the entire game, and they did that. I mean, to me, an incredible series of games and years for that Winnipeg offensive line. We could be talking about the signature game, which was Sunday at IG Field. Yeah, you listen, uh, 34 times they ran the football. They only had to pass it 21 times. Uh, Andrew Harris was a beast. I mean, I love his energy. He, You know, he, he breaks through, he fights, he picks up six additional yards. And that one that he had... They pushed him for 10 yards. I mean, that old line is like a rugby. You know, they're back there pushing. And, uh, you know, they they pick up the first down. And then he takes off and runs in front. His energy is contagious. You know, he's pointing to his number. He's smacking. He's, you know, he's high-fiving the crowd. That's the kind of thing that gets everybody jacked up. But it all doesn't come about. If that old line, if those guys, those five guys in front of him, and I know they bring in Asatui Eli and all those other guys and Jeff Gray, and they go double tight. But those starting five, if they don't get it done, we're not even talking about this right now. I mean, they just they're just manhandling people right now. They run the ball so effectively. They're so strong at the point of attack. Um I, I don't know if any team can stop them. I know I look back at the stats against Hamilton again. I just always want to see what they did against the team they're gonna play. And they ran the ball 20 uh, 25 or 20, yeah, 25 times for 150 yards that game. And there was no Andrew Harris in that game. That was Brady Oliveira. So you don't think that uh, Mr. Harris is a little excited about getting a chance to play again, maybe repeating as top Canadian? I'd like to see a damn old Lima win the Canadian or, or some <laughs> kind of special team because they should win something. Uh, you know, not one old Lyman got a, a star of the week this year. Oh, I got to smack those guys. That's Dunnigan and Ford and and uh, Vercheval. Vercheval should be ashamed of himself being old, an ex-old Lyman. <laughs> You know, that's my rant. There needs to be the Walby Award every week for the top O lineman. You know that's can, not a bad idea. I, it, I like that. We might have to pull, incorporate that sometime because I just get upset. I mean, as you say, you know, I felt there's a couple things that felt interesting, Huss. That offensive line, as good as it is, four out of five get all star. I felt so bad for Michael Couture. Here's a starting center who has to make all the calls. You know, he's the guy that's got the, his head down looking, you know, uh, you know, he's got to put the ball in his butt. And he's going against, you know, nose tackles and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he doesn't get the all-star. But I, I said this, and I, I guess, three-quarters way down the year that I thought everybody on that team could have been all-star on that front line. So, I mean, four to five is better. But, Michael Couture, don't you hang your head, brother, because you're an all-star to me. No, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, what? Patty Newfeld could have been one earlier. He got one yes. this year. Yes. I imagine if this team unit stays together, uh, you know, sometimes the younger guys that are maybe a little more anonymous than the big boys out at the tackle position take a little longer to get noticed. And we all yeah. know that O-line, as important as it is, is overlooked on a weekly basis by people that evaluate the game. We're focusing on the star players, the big catch in the end zone. We all know none of that happens if your quarterback's flat on his ass because the offensive line didn't hold up their end of the job. I mean, to me, we want to talk about players of the game. Um, And obviously Andrew Harris had a massive game. I'm sure Andrew Harris would be the first one to agree, agree with us that that game was won by the men on the offensive line of the Winnipeg blue bombers. 
Oh yeah, and I think that you know these guys. I think that and now I don't know if they're still doing it, but they were the last time they got a hundred yards rushing. They would take the old line out, and I think they were going to five two nine or highest one place. But I believe it's five two nine. I ain't no cheap dinner for those big boys because they could eat some steak. So, I mean, uh, but I don't think uh, Andrew Harris or I know Brady Oliveira had a 100-yard rushing a couple games. Uh, you know, I don't think they care as long as they these guys up front, they're fed and hungry and willing to do what they do. And listen, you look at Stanley Bryan, who will be a – there's no doubt in my mind, Stanley will win the most outstanding old lineman this week uh, coming up in uh, Hamilton. Uh, and, you know, you look at the other guy who I think gets overlooked a lot, but I was happy to see him get all-star, and Jamarcus Hardrick who might be the emotional leader of that O-line, you know, the Hardrick Hop. He's always running around. He's jacking people up. He's carrying them off, running with the flag, you name it. He's like a he's like Willie Jefferson on defense. You know, Willie gets a lot of the pump on defense. Then I look at the other side, and I go, hey, that Jackson Jeff coat ain't too bad either, man. So, uh, you know, th- they have so many stars in this team that, uh, man, I just, I just love the way these guys are playing. And it all comes back to a couple things. One – Kyle Walters, got to give the guy kudos and credit. Bringing all these guys back, creating an atmosphere where these guys want to come to Winnipeg and stay here. Because this is a league, as you well know, Huss, where a lot of times they have one-year contracts, you go to the NFL, they try out, or they're going to where they think the grass is a little greener trying to get some more money. And so a lot of times you don't have player identity because they're not staying with the same team. He's done a heck of a job of keeping a majority of his uh, veteran players here. Guys want to come to Winnipeg. That's him, and that's Coach O'Shea, and that's you know Wade Miller. They they just built they building something. The Mafia, three Mafia boys. They're not even Italian. How do they get the Mafia? I don't get that either. <laughs> well, it, you know what? It's such a great point, Chris, because I mean we're not too far removed from the oh, yeah. Joe Mack era. Um, I mean, I remember being on a bus with a bunch of our listeners coming back from a Labor Day game where we lost fifty-two nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. This team was in a terrible spot a few years ago, and Mike, Wade Miller, Kyle Walters, and Mike O'Shea have um, have done an incredible job. And to your point about being a place where players want to play, this team right now is undoubtedly setting the standard on the field and off the field as the model franchise in the Canadian Football League. And uh, the only other thing they need to do is finish the job on Sunday. And let me ask you this, because this is something I think we'll talk about more, hopefully next week after the job is done. Sure. But if Mike O'Shea, if this team wins back-to-back great cups, even with a missed season in between, I have to think that Mike O'Shea is on the verge, and maybe it'll take a few more years, and hopefully he's around for many more years and many more wins. But, I mean, graduating into the Pantheon, in conversations with some of the great coaches in Winnipeg Blue Bomber history. We all talk about Bud Grant and what that group was able to do. Yeah. Um, listen, you got to win more than two championships to do that, but it's pretty hard to look at this football team knowing that they have in so many ways taken upon the identity and the personality of their leader, Mike O'Shea, and not think that um, he is destined for a very special place in Blue Bomber history. Oh, you couldn't have said it better. When I look at a guy like O'Shea and, and knowing him playing against him over the years, uh, watching how much of a competitor he was, how good he was as a defensive linebacker and a special teams guy on Toronto and Hamilton when he played with them, and just to watch how he protects his players. He's like in a big umbrella. 
you know, he, he has, you know, you know what you're going to get in the, in the press conference. He's not going to tell you nothing. He's just going to say, nope. Uh, yeah, I'm not talking about that. No, I don't know if he's going to play. I don't know. I don't know what kind of injury he's got. Al Couture, the trainer, will tell you. You know, it's, that's just the way he is. And everything stays in-house, which I love. There's not, you know, we don't got a lot of stuff going out from, uh, you know, Purifoy getting, you know, stuck, uh, you know, getting arrested in Saskatchewan or other guys, you know, the scrap in Hamilton and Toronto. This team is very focused on what they came to do. And it's all about they bring the right type of characters in that fit in that locker room. You can have a great team. You can have a team of all-stars. But if they don't play together, you're not going to win diddly. And they've created a team atmosphere where everybody – look at those two kids, DeAndre Alford and, uh, you know, Dietrich Nichols. <laughs> I mean, we always thought that might be one of the Achilles on this team because of the, uh, you know, inexperience in that secondary. And, man, they've just kind of performed up like a like all-stars. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just uh, – my hat's off to everybody in the organization. I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that, though. I thought you were going to go – and, and to, say, to say that I think uh, Mike O'Shea or Michael O'Shea will be – uh, regarded as one of the best, absolutely. I think he's getting up there at one percentage already. But having said that, I always wanted to back of my mind. He's from Ontario. I know they signed him to an extension. But, you know, those are, you know, we saw Chris Jones get out of it. You know, I almost wondered, too, is he getting any other attention from, te- I mean, there, you know, there, there would be teams all across this league who would jump and have an opportunity to get Michael Shea just because of what he's done. Why would he leave, Chris? I mean, with what he's built, with what they have going on right here, I mean, unless it was a Brinks truck worth of cash yeah, that, to yeah. be honest, I mean, I think the Bombers would be crazy not to do what they had to do to keep him, to keep this going yeah. on from a business standpoint. I mean, I can't possibly think what would be different. I mean, he is now part of this community. He oh, has yes. become identified, I mean, as the leader of a championship football team that has that's on the verge of doing something so special. And I'll tell you what, the other thing is, they went 29 years between winning great cups. We know how amazing it was in the city when they won in 2019. Yep. Able to do this again, you continue to build that connection. And all you needed to do was sit in the stands on Sunday in those oh, yeah. Arctic conditions and see the bond between the team, the organization, and the fan base. And I got to tell you, I mean, if it wasn't some life-changing thing that changes the equation for your family forever, um, I, and this isn't just for O'Shea. This is probably pretty much every player on the team as well. Why in the world would you even consider being anything other than a Winnipeg Blue Bomber if you're in the CFL right now? Yeah, and I agree. But I, I want to throw that out there just as a, you know, just to kind of get the stir the pot here a little bit. I agree with you 100%. I mean, I'd love to be O'Shea's agent because basically I can go there and demand whatever I want. Uh, but you know what? He's done such a great job. And you look at the other guys. I mean, Jordan Younger, the DB coach, what a phenomenal job he's done with these young kids. Uh, you know, they lost uh, uh, Glenn Young to Toronto, who ended up leaving, and now they got they got Chris Jones there. Now, where, you know, we can get in a well, – maybe on the offseason we'll have a talk about where we think these coaches are going to go. But I, I look at, uh, you know, all the guys they've got. Richie Hall ain't going anywhere. Richie Hall's done a great job. Man, I, I thought about this uh, the other day, too. It was just a couple years ago that fans wanted to ride Richie Hall out of the city. Oh, he was a marked man. They were all man. over the track. Get rid of the guy. Can't coach. He doesn't know what he's doing. Now he's on the love boat. Right? I mean, they're just like, hey, Richie, great job. I mean, it's, well, a lot of people broke their ankles jumping off that wagon. You know, the love boat, what a great way. As only Chris Walby can put it, joining us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, if you're enjoying the conversation and the bomber coverage and you're with us live on YouTube, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. And uh, for all you new people that maybe haven't checked the show out, 
We're here every day at one o'clock. Hit that red subscribe button. Join the WST crew and uh, make a point to popping in daily to join us here, talking all things Bombers, Jets, Winnipeg sports, and much, much more. Um, all right, Bluto, I'll ask you about the Thai Cats, but I just one more on the crowd, and I, I kind of mentioned yeah. to it. Um, you played here for a long time. It was a different era. Things have changed. Yes. They went through a long period of time where people were pining for the days of the 80s when you and your teammates were winning great cups. But you're around the team. You're at the stadium. Uh, what do you make of the bond between the team and the fans and the way that especially the players on the team seem to not only feed on it, but um, like more so than any team I can ever remember in my lifetime um, lean into that connection. I mean, hell, Willie Jefferson was doing an IG live from his car with a bunch of fans celebrating the game <laughs> afterwards. I mean, it is special is the only way that I can put it, but it is something that is so fun to be a part of. I think for everybody involved, players included. Yeah, I don't know who started the, uh, after the touchdown, they jumped into the stands. And that's when I first, you know, that's the first reel I thought. Look at the players really, you know, they used to throw the ball up there. And I know Willard, when I played, Willard would have the wheelchair section. He'd always hand the ball off to one of the wheelchair uh, people there at the game. And uh, I thought that I think it might have been Dembski or Andrew Harris again. One of those guys jumped up, Winnipeg boys, and got the crowd in there. They're jumping all over these guys, getting them all jacked up. Then you got Jamarcus Hard Rock doing a Hard Rock, Hard Rick Hop. Um, and as you said, Willie Jefferson doing tweets and stuff and shows from his car. Uh, I, and, you know, that's the, that's the, we're in the age of, of, you know, you can see anything that goes on. I mean, that's another thing you look at this team. One of the pluses about this team is you know that everybody's got a camera now. And, you know, you can be a total idiot somewhere and somebody take a picture and you could, you know, all of a sudden you're all over the media. The Bombers don't do that. They, they're smart enough to stay away. They had one blemish this year. We won't have to get into that. But having said that, you know, they do a good job. And I love the way, as you say, the guys get involved with, the, you know, Twitter talking about, hey, love you guys. Thanks for supporting me. Uh, you know, Winston Rose is on there. I see he's on Twitter, too. Uh, yeah, they've got a special connection with the fans. Uh, they were singing, uh, I can't remember the song they were singing. Bye. Uh, no, I, I want to say American Pie, but it's not that. I, I, anyway, I, I, was, I was listening. I was watching that thing on Twitter, and I was singing along, sitting here on my computer. I'm going, man, I love it. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I hope it, well, you know, it's sold out in Hamilton right now. So that's going to be a fantastic environment to play in it hopefully the weather won't be a major factor there um i just think it's gonna make for a great game well you know what before we go let's talk about it and we haven't seen these two teams play since the opening game of the season bombers thumped them i mean gave up a touchdown on the opening drive and then shut the door the rest of the way uh the offensive line dominated there was no andrew harris but it has been a long time since we've seen the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And I think it's safe to say, certainly the way Dane Evans performed in relief of Jeremiah Masoli, that they're coming into this game, playing as the home team with a lot of momentum. That being said, the Bombers have been the class of the league the entire season. Uh, what do you make of the matchup? And when you break it down, Chris, what uh, what aspect of the game will be um, the most influential in determining who raises that cup? Well, I, you know, I, I, when I look at the changes, I went back and and, and um, printed off the depth chart of the first game they played back on August 5th. Uh, Chris Van Seal, who was the offense, outstanding offensive line, wasn't playing. Um, you know, they had Frank Williams as pirate Now they got Pappy. I love that name. Pappy White. Pappy. I love it, man. It sounds <laughs> like it's making moonshine. Uh, you know, you got the 2-1-A, Adelike at safety now, right? I mean, they got a number of changes, right? Ted Laurent didn't play that game. You know, he's a beast at defensive tackle. 
but you know what? When you talk about, they have a two-headed monster in their own self with, uh, you know, Jackson running the football. But if Mazzoli struggles, they put Dan Evans in, who goes 16 for 16. I mean, he just threw, he was he was on fire. I mean, he's such an emotional guy. Mazzoli, I don't see him getting all jacked up half the time. But, you know, if the one, one struggles, you can put the other guy in. I just look at this and I think, you know what, I think they're better. Listen, when I watch that game, I know I'm all over. I'm, I should be the – I'm Chris Walby, pinball junior. I think I'm all over the place right now. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at uh, what you call the game, and I left to go to the Bomber game, and it was, I think, 12 nothing for Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, ooh, it looks like the Argos, the only team who beat the Bombers, are going to be in the Grey Cup. I go there and I'm watching, and in Hamilton, they make the switch. They put Dan Evans in, and bam. They start moving the football, making plays. I'm like, what the heck is going on here, man? This is fantastic. So I think when you look at what they've done, the changes that they have, and I'm talking about Hamilton because the Bombers have been, knock on wood, super healthy all year. They've lost Andrew, but, you know, they've got guys in there that I can't believe how good they are. I I said this on Bonfire Sports with Darren Bombing that a guy that I think you're going to lose or, well, they sign him, but, Johnny Augustine is a freak. I think Johnny Augustine is going to be, he should be a starting running back anywhere in this league. I think he's an Eastern boy. Uh, you know, it, it's, there's only so much pie that's spread around here. And I know I'm getting into stuff that's really not about the game right now, but they have a three-headed monster. So if you got Johnny running the ball, and I was actually surprised because going into the game against Saskatchewan, I thought all three might touch the ball. But the way that O'Lion ran and, and, and Andrew Harris ran, why change it? They broke, don't fix it. Can Hamilton stop the run? And how about this stat? I didn't realize this until I read it. So Garrett Davis is in the fifth straight Grey Cup. Five straight Grey Cups. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And that guy's a, he, he's a, he's a stud. He's playing well, man. So, And then you got Taylor on back there. So, And if Simone Lawrence plays like he can play, this is going to be a great matchup. I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to it, man. Well, we'll see if he can play like he can talk. They'll have a much better chance oh, yeah. of winning. But uh, let's face it, um, the Bomber offensive line doesn't do a lot of talking. They've done it all in the field. They did it to Hamilton in 2019. They did it in the first game of the season. Yeah. And we hope that they'll be able to do it on Sunday. Bluto, this was amazing. Thanks so much for doing this. You mentioned Bonfire Sports. <clears throat> looking forward to what Darren has cooking up all week from Hamilton. You'll be yeah. joining him as well. And uh, let's hope that we can uh, have a return conversation next week about two championships for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and a big win on Sunday. Thanks so much for doing this. Anytime, Huss. Always a pleasure, boys. Have a great one. Talk soon. <laughs> right on. There he is, the uh, the man himself, the one and only Chris Walby. Uh, we're going to switch from Bomber Talk to Jets Talk. Big game tonight and lots coming out of Sunday's game with the Leafs. Mike McIntyre coming up. Um, As we do that, just want to thank our friends at Manitoba Battery for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, you knew it was coming, folks. It's freezing outside. Whatever. We're getting daytime highs in around the minus 20s, very cold lows, and that means your battery might be taxed. Um, You know, it might not be too late to get a new battery at the best price in town, shopping local, supporting Manitoba Battery, $89.50 with Core Exchange when you pop down and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue and just uh, oh, 104 
delivered anywhere in town. And again, a $15 rebate when you return the original core. Um, sledding season is here as well. And if you don't have your battery or need one for your sled, pretty much any kind, they can handle that as well. Usually sled batteries run anywhere between $65 and $75. So find out more. Give them a call, 783-87-87-1026. Logan or find out more on all the uh, products and batteries that they've got for whatever you need online at manitobabattery.com. Great Cup week is here. Bombers are back in it. Royal Sports is your headquarters for all sorts of bomber gear to get ready for the big game on Sunday. Obviously, a ton of Jets gear as well. And uh, if you've got sports fans in the family, you can pretty much nail all of your Christmas shopping in one trip to the true superstore when it comes to sports, Royal Sports, over at 750 Pemina Highway. The best selection of hockey equipment in town. They've got snowboards and so much more. But this week, I have a feeling it'll be mostly bomber gear going in and out of Royal Sports. Pop down and see him. And I hit him up on Instagram. A great post right there. Remus is showing it up. All the different gear they've got for the blue and gold. They're on Insta at Royal Sports Pembina. And uh, speaking of great supporters of the Bombers, I give a big shout out to Trevor Knott. Had a pleasure of going to plenty of the games with the Knott gang this year in the uh, in the Loge. I know Trevor will be back up. A bunch of the guys heading out to Hamilton for the game. And uh, if you're looking for a great vehicle, maybe for your next road trip or just to dominate winter, there's no other place to go to start your search than not Autocorp. Why not get into a deal of the dream of your dreams on the best car around the one that you want at Royals at not Autocorp. Waverly and McGilvery is the spot not.ca online and of course all information on the brand new Winnipeg car lab which is open there at not Autocorp as well thanks again to the not gang there's Milt Stiegel looking like a million US tax free as always not.ca All right, man, lots to get to with Mike McIntyre coming out of Sunday's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs before we fire it up and drop the puck tonight just after 7 against the Carolina Hurricanes and a beautiful holiday background for Mike McIntyre as he joins us. We've got a tree. We've got the warm fire. And uh, there was quite a bit of fire coming out of both teams after Sunday's game. What's going on, Mike? Thanks for doing this. How are you? Doing great, Huss. Uh, what a what a day Sunday was. I'm still buzzing. You and me, I, I don't know how many there were of us who were who can honestly say that we were at both games. Uh, I suspect this will be one of those things where like 10, 20 years from now, there'll be like a hundred thousand people claiming that they were at both games, right? These stories oh, yeah. get more they get more grandiose over time. But you and I know the truth. We were both at uh, at both games. Uh, wasn't easy to do, but man, we were treated to uh, to a, a, a pair of of classics for for very different reasons. Obviously, the stakes were different, but the games were very entertaining. You know what? You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I know we're going to focus in on tonight's game and all the crazy things coming out of Sunday's game with the Jets and the Maple Leafs. Um, but I love your piece, that your column in the Winnipeg Free Press about it. I had been talking about it all week, really dating back to once I think it was about three weeks ago. We were doing the math on Blake Wheeler's games because of, you know, the COVID time that he missed and realized that game 1000 was going to be that game against the Leafs, which of course, at that time, we already knew that the Bombers were going to be hosting whoever it was that came to Winnipeg in the West final. And you add in 
some very, very harsh weather conditions at the stadium on Sunday. And a crowd in excess of 31,000, all of them who showed up and who stood and were loud and supported the team throughout. I mean, like you've been to a lot of games, both as a spectator as well as in the press box. Um, You know, the more we get removed from Sunday, I think more and more about it. That, I mean, the entire day was incredible, but in particular, that scene at IG Field was, uh, I keep using the word special, but it really was, I think, as, as special as anything that I've been to here in Winnipeg. And I know like the Jets playoffs are a little bit different uh, because of the excitement and, you know, the whiteout's all great, but putting up with what fans had to put up with to be there, to me, put that in a whole different category. And uh, there wasn't a lot of people that weren't happy that they paid the price to be outside for four hours in that cold when that game was over. For sure. And, and, you know, it would have been special, if we weren't in the midst of a pandemic, but with the backdrop of kind of what we've all as a collective society been through and, you know, what the CFL has been through, like this was a league that looked like it was hanging on by a thread, right. That didn't even play in 2020. So, um, you know, the bombers defending breakup champs, but to not get that opportunity to kind of really revel in the spectacle of all that. And it, it felt cathartic. Really. It did. Um, you know, for a fan base and for a community. And, you know, then to have the nightcap be uh, a Jets-Leafs game that that had all kinds of spice to it. Uh, it just was, you know, one of those rare sports days in Winnipeg that I think we'll be talking about for generations to come. The only thing, as I wrote, Huss, that it was missing is a trip to Chi-Chi's in between the two <laughs> games. Um, or Fuddruckers. I, I I remember the days of going to Fuddruckers, uh, in between a Jets and a, and a Bomber game. But um, yeah, it kind of had it all. And in a way, in a warp sort of way, the the crazy weather actually sort of took anything away from it. No, no, for sure. I mean, you know, the people that were there, not only were they spending their hard-earned money on a ticket and leaving the uh, comfort, comforter of their own home and watching the game on TV to be out there, but I'll say this about the Bombers, and I really felt this going through the couple weeks leading to the game, talking to just people on the street about going to the game. There was a sense, I mean, there's tons of people that I think would have probably preferred to watch the game at home. Right. But what that organization did kind of from great from the 2019 winning the great cup, the way they played all season long, um, that blue bomber team deserved a crowd like that. And they got it. Um, credit to the fans who showed up the way they did. And um, that was a day that we won't forget. And hopefully it's capped off with a big win on Sunday in uh, what's going to be a hell of a matchup against the Ticats playing at home. That being said, you mentioned about the Chi-Chi's trip. There was no Chi-Chi's trip, but I'll tell you what. The Winnipeg Transit buses going from the stadium to the downtown arena were full. There was a lot of people that were getting off the same stop that I did and going into Canada Life Center. And holy smokes, Mike, did we see a hockey game on Sunday night. Um, You know, the Jets hadn't been going very well. They broke out of it big time against New Jersey, putting up eight goals. And um, the offense continued, which first and foremost was paramount to a team that had really been struggling scoring. But we saw a ton of emotion, a wild atmosphere with a ton of Leaf Leaf fans in the building. 
and uh, a very, very big win for a team finishing off a perfect weekend after a pretty ugly couple of weeks following a good start to the season. Give us your thoughts on everything that happened on Sunday before we get to all of the aftermath of Sunday. <laughs> yeah, well, you talk about cathartic and a fan base and a community for the Bombers. It was cathartic weekend for the Jets, for sure, that, you know, there were a lot of guys squeezing their sticks, no doubt, wondering, are, are we ever going to score again? Um, coming off that <clears throat> that one nothing shutout to the lowly Arizona Coyotes, like that that had to be a real test of faith for a Jets team that, to be honest, offense shouldn't be an issue, and yet it had become an issue here. It was costing them some games, right? So um, everybody kind of got their cookies over the weekend. Uh, guys got on the score sheet against the Devils, and then they carried that over. And yeah, I mean, I think it's important to remember both the opponents this past weekend were coming off back-to-backs. They played the previous night in Minnesota. And so the Jets, you know, you could say that they caught tired opponents, whatever. The Jets have been the other team, though, uh, you know, in that equation a few times already this year. I think they'd already played three, maybe four games where they were the tired team. And they'll have another one coming up later this week in Vancouver. So those are games that, uh, everybody gets them and it's what you do with them, right? And full credit to the Jets. Um, you know, they spent those few days after the Arizona game kind of doing some soul searching and trying to rediscover that missing offense. Well, it appears us, they found it in spades. And it's not just the 14 goals that they scored over the two games. The power play looks like it's getting going again, which it should be with all the talent on it. And I think guys are just, generally feeling a lot more comfortable about their situation now, which, you know, bodes well as the Jets kind of carry on here in December and a very, very tight central division race. Like it's crazy that, you know, there, there's about five teams that are just in an absolute log jam. And I expect that's going to continue kind of from now, probably right through into April. So these points are very valuable and, and the Jets right now are feeling pretty good about themselves that being said, they got a pretty tough opponent that's uh, that's coming into town tonight uh, that should be another good test for uh, for where they're at. Yeah, we'll get to the Canes in a minute. First off, let's talk about Neil Pionk. I was on with Dustin Nielsen doing the lock shop earlier, and I joked that you know Neil Pionk already had a rent-free residence in the city of Edmonton <laughs> and right. now has expanded his property management empire into the city of Toronto, where he is public enemy number one. Um, what did you make of the hit, and what did you make of the suspension? And then, of course, the subsequent play by Jason Spezza, of all people, that earned him an in-person hearing with NHL player safety today. Right. Look, I have no problem with the two-game suspension to Neil Pionk. He caused an injury, right? And and those kinds of plays, whether they're accidental or not, and I have no reason to believe that Neil Pionk went out there trying to injure Rasmus Sandin. He, he didn't. That was a spur-of-the-moment hockey play that went bad, right? He's trying to make a hit. But you can't do that. You can't stick your leg out. I mean, everybody knows that, but unfortunately it happens, and the result was not a good one. It looks like Sandine's going to miss a couple weeks at least. I'm not sure what the officials were watching there, Huss, but more on them in a moment because uh, of of the long list of people that you can maybe point fingers at, I think the referees have to be right at the top of the list. But they miss that call. That should have been a, at least a two-minute penalty, maybe more. Um and, you know, I think the two-game suspension, given that Neil Pionk doesn't have a history, I, 
you know, he plays the game tough for sure, but he's not a dirty player. He's not a guy that has a track record of going out, you know, running at guys and, and injuring guys. So I think it was a suitable um, suspension. But I'll say this, it was a it was a reckless play, but I, it was by no means deliberate or intentional. I can't say the same thing about Jason Spezza, though. I mean, that was absolutely predatory. That was a guy who, not happy with what had just happened to a teammate, decided he was going to come out and, and try and exact some revenge and get his pound of flesh. And at the time, it appeared... That Neil Pionk escaped injury. Well, we learned today uh, that he is actually in concussion protocol and he's going to miss more than just his two games that he's been suspended for. He won't uh, go on the road trip. So that means he's going to at least miss three games, Haas. He'll miss the game in Vancouver as well, that he would have been eligible to return. And Jason Spezza, rightfully so, is having a hearing today. And I would think, given that there's now an injury on the play, the fact it's an in-person hearing that opens the door potentially to five. I mean, I got to think Spets is at least getting four, you know, double what, what Pionk got. And they will be four very justified games if that's what the number comes in at. Or maybe it'll be higher uh, because there's just no place for that. That was not an accidental hockey play gone wrong. That was malicious. Um, and I, I, frankly, I was surprised. I didn't think Jason Spezza was that kind of player. And I guess history would suggest he isn't, um, but he sure was on that play and on that night. And and that was a dangerous, uh, reckless, and completely intentional blow to the head that we now know caused an injury. And, and there's just no place for that in hockey. The Leafs were so unhinged in the third period. Um, and I'm sure a big part of it was Pierre-Luc Dubois manhandling Austin Matthews the way that he right. did. Certainly the peon kit was a part of it. But when you see Wayne Simmons going out and whacking Jansen Harkins and then, you know, in a big tough guy move going after Josh Morrissey, you realize, I mean, unhinged, I think, is the perfect word to describe where the Leafs were at the end of that game. And, you know, despite the fact that they got those two power play goals in the second period and turned a 5-1 game into a 5-3 game, um, it almost seemed like the final score was completely secondary to... uh, a return of the code to Canada Life Arena and uh, trying to exact their pound of flesh. You know, I thought we were also long past the days after the the Todd Bertuzzi, Steve Moore incident where, where, you know, coaches are like telegraphing what they're trying to do. Sheldon Keith following the game, like he made no attempt to hide. Like he, he said that he sent guys out to, to respond to what he thought were wrongs committed towards his team. Like, I mean, shouldn't Sheldon Keith be looking at potentially a suspect? Rod Brindamore just got suspect or got just got a a massive fine for yelling at the referees, which apparently we're told that coaches are not to do this year. What about sending players out for the sole purpose of of delivering violence, which is what Sheldon Keith did and essentially admitted to doing? Like the NHL, I think, and and when Sheldon Keith, if he's going to be that candid about what he was trying to do. To me, and my boss, Steve Lyons, he wrote a playbook uh, in his newsletter today, and he, he said that he thinks Keith is also near the top of the list of kind of culprits of what went wrong. And I can tell you, Huss, Paul Maurice wasn't happy with Sheldon Keith. That was as animated as I've seen Paul Maurice during a game. As he said this morning, he doesn't normally engage in yelling at players or even other coaches, but he was hot at Sheldon Keith during that third period. 
because I think he saw what Keith was trying to do. And, you know, Paul Maurice, who's he's old school, right? He's been around a long time. Uh, he, he felt there was no place for it as well. So, yeah, it, it was a black eye for sure on the game. I mean, it, it did kind of feel like we stepped back in time a little bit. And unfortunately, Haas, I would suggest it's also now becoming a black eye on the fan bases of both teams. Social media is an absolute tire fire <laughs> right now. And I'm actually writing a column later today on on just the sort of whole spectacle, the gong show between the teams and the fan bases and the referees who, you know, where's their, where's their hearing? The fact that they didn't call penalties on either the Pionk or the Spets a hit, like when are those guys getting hauled in for a hearing? I mean, the whole thing was just kind of really stupid on so many levels. That being said, it was also pretty darn entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, there was no one, uh, at least that was supporting the Jets that left their that rink without a smile on their face. And, you know, I think we saw by the amount of people that were uh, like ready to go on Winnipeg Sports Talk yesterday before the show even started, yeah. uh, that this entire city wanted to talk about a pretty incredible Sunday for both the football team and the hockey team. Which brings us to tonight, but before we even get to tonight's game, Mike, just as we were going on the air, um, we found out that Riley Nash got picked up by the... Tampa Bay Lightning and yeah. Mitch had mentioned maybe they're looking for a power play specialist with Nikita Kucherov <laughs> out of the lineup. I'm still laughing about that line. Um, but I will say this, that was not something I expected to be talking about today. What do you think that move means? Is this just a temporary thing or does this finally open up the garage door for the Gus bus to move down the hall to the jet room? Yeah. Fire up the Gus bus. Absolutely. Now I'll say this, Haas, I think, the Gus bus arrival is going to be delayed by a few games here because a couple things are in play, right? Neil Pionk is now suspended and also injured. I don't imagine the jets are going to put him on the IR uh, because that would uh, for well, a couple reasons. If they put him on IR like today, his suspension actually doesn't start till he comes off IR. So they're definitely not putting him on IR for the next two games because they want to get the suspension out of the way as it turns out, these are two games that he wouldn't have been able to play anyways because he's hurt. Um, if they put him on IR maybe after two games later this week, that could open up a roster spot. But I think we've talked about this, right? The Jets are so tight to the cap right now. They don't really have the ability to bring extra bodies in. So um, right now they're pro they waived Riley Nash because they need to get another defenseman here because with Neil Pionk out, they have no insurance. If a guy pulls his groin in the pregame warm-up tonight, they have nobody else. They'd have to play with five defensemen, right? So I do suspect somebody's coming up from the moose, a blue liner. Is it going to be Vili Hanola? Is it going to be Jonathan Kovacevic? Um, there's a number of potential options there. If it's a guy to sit in the press box, I guess it could be Nelson Noje. Um, you know, there's a number of ways they could go here. But uh, that being said, once Pionk is back and the Jets – you know, now have a healthy stable of defensemen. I do see they're going to want to get another forward in here, right? And Riley Nash is now gone. Uh, I was a little surprised that Tampa took him. And what that tells you is he actually almost made it through the whole waiver list without being claimed uh, because Tampa would be near the end of the list, given that they're one of the better teams in the league. They get kind of near the end in terms of dibs. Uh, so yeah, a bit of a surprising move that the Lightning claimed them. And I'm sure Riley Nash doesn't mind going from the press box in Winnipeg to the two-time Stanley Cup champs 
um, in uh, in South Florida. But it does create another opportunity here, one for a young player. And I got to think David Gustafson would absolutely be on top of that list and probably just a matter of time now before he does come up and replaces Riley Nash on the roster. Well, as far as the defense, I mean, I think when there is a call up, it's not going to be David Gustafson, to your point. It's going to be right. somebody on the blue line. Um, do you think it's Vili Hainala or, um, you know, I, Jonathan Kovacevic, the guy that plays the right side. And if it is ostensibly to replace Neil Pionk, it would make sense that maybe that's the guy that comes sure. up. But um, I mean, man, Vili's having such a great season. Uh, would be hard, I would imagine, to call up somebody ahead of him, considering where he is in the organization's prospect pool and the way that he's playing right now in the American League for another season. Yeah, I just I think it depends how what the plan is. Like Nathan Bolio gets the first crack at going in the lineup, right? And I think even when they call a defenseman up, Paul Maurice, we knowing Paul Maurice like we do he's going to probably play Nathan Bolio over whoever gets called up. So whoever gets called up is, is going to become what Nathan Bolio had been here for the last few weeks, which is the extra guy until Pionk is back. So I guess it's a question, do you reward a Ville Hainala just to come up here and sit in the press box and eat popcorn for a few games? Or, you know, if the guy's not going to play in a way, it doesn't even really matter who they call up, right? If the person isn't getting into the lineup, I am curious to see the, the how they fill Pionk's spot and what they're going to try tonight was a bit surprising to me. I assumed, Haas, I don't know if you did as well, I assumed that Dylan DeMello would just move up a spot and play with Brendan Dillon on that second pair and that Nathan Bolio would slide over to play on the third pair with Logan Stanley on his offside. That's not what's happening. Logan Stanley is going to move to his offside He's getting the bump. Dylan DeMello stays where he is, and Bre- and Nathan Bolio goes in with him. So I'm a little surprised that that's the route they're going. Um, whether that's the route they sort of stick with here for the next few games, I guess, remains to be seen. And maybe lots will depend on, on how comfortable Logan Stanley looks in a top-four role on his offside. Uh, but that's the way Paul Maurice is going. And if he likes what he sees... As I say, I don't know that it really matters who ultimately gets the call up here because it's probably just going to be to sit in the press box anyways. Yeah, I mean, part of me thinks, especially with these back-to-back games this week, that this would be a great opportunity to maybe get one of those guys in. And yeah. let's not forget, Nate Beaulieu has not played very much. And I mean, I realize he's a veteran player and I sort of do understand what you're saying about Paul Maurice, at least if we've learned anything about <laughs> the way that he handles his bench and, you know, the the hierarchy of who's getting in. Although if I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff, I'm thinking like, okay, guys, I mean, yeah. uh, this might be a good time to see what uh, they can come in in a spot where they'll actually go and play some meaningful minutes in, a, in a, some important games that, you know, they need points out of. Well, especially, so we talk about Billy Hainala, for example, like Neil Pionk is one of your top offensive defensemen. He's on your power play, right? So, no disrespect to Nathan Bolio. Nathan Bolio is nowhere near the yeah. kind of player that they're losing in Pionk. He's not filling that hole. <laughs> no, so you're right. I mean, if, if the thinking is we want to parachute a guy in that we could stick on the power play, well, Vili Hainala would certainly be that guy um, that we could maybe play in a top four role. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a few ways they can go here. And I guess tonight, you know, I think – the time element being what it is here, the moose are on the road. 
Um, the easy thing to do is obviously just plug Nathan Bolu in right now for tonight, whether that's just a stopgap measure. And the other question that we don't know the answer to, Huss, is like how serious is Neil Pionk's you know, concussion issue? Is this something where he was going to miss two games anyways, uh, so it looks like he's going to miss a third game on Friday night. After that, the Jets don't play, I believe, until next Tuesday. So they get a nice little break after Friday. You know, if Neil Pionk is back by next Tuesday, um, again, it might be moot. But as you say, there there is that back-to-back, and that might be an opportunity to uh, to get a guy in. Paul Maurice, though, did allude to something interesting this morning, Huss, and that is that it's possible the Jets may not make the call-up until they get to Vancouver. There are issues with COVID and different protocols and testing. And Paul Maurice sort of said today that getting a player from the Moose to kind of meet them in Seattle could be problematic um, and that it might be easier just to have that player meet them in in Vancouver. So if the Jets get through tonight's game completely healthy, I do wonder if they go down to Seattle tomorrow, they'll hop on the charter and they'll play on Thursday night. If they go without any insurance and only six defensemen, and then you just hope that somebody, you know, doesn't come down with, with the sniffles on Thursday morning, or like I said, steps on a puck and warm up or whatever, because you are running a risk of having to play short if that's what you do. Mike, uh, let's quickly talk about this matchup tonight. I mean, the Canes were a class of the league at the beginning of the season, um, but they haven't played very well as of late. They'd lost three in a row. The scoring had sort of dried up. Yeah. That was before they put up a half a dozen and got back in the win column against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, what do you think about the challenge coming in for the home squad tonight? Well, and they're one of the best road teams in the league, Huss. I think they actually have a nine, three and one record. So Carolina, uh, they're very comfortable on the road and, uh, Yeah, I mean, the Jets haven't seen a whole lot of the East, right? Although they're in a bit of a run here now where this will be their third straight game against an Eastern Conference opponent. And so far, they're two for two. They beat the Devils, they beat the Leafs, and so they'd like to make it a a three for three here. Um, But uh, for sure, a a tough task uh, Carolina team that will probably want to, you know, try and carry over, as you say, from what they just produced last game. So you got two teams that are feeling pretty good about their game their their most recent game should make for an interesting meeting these are not teams we see play very often in fact it's been a couple of years since the Jets and the Canes uh met um so yeah I'm looking forward to to seeing I mean that Carolina has so much great young talent and they got a real good blue line um you know they are a team that I think is right there with with the likes of certainly Florida in their own division but if you're kind of looking at the NHL as a whole like Tampa Toronto you know, they're one of the NHL's heavyweights. So the Jets will obviously want to try and, and end this homestand on a, on a high note before they head out on the road for, uh, for this back-to-back. Uh, is Connor Hellup going to play, going to play every game for the remainder? <laughs> I, I imagine Eric Comrie gets in at some point. Is that sort of targeted as the Friday game or might Comrie actually go before just when you think about how much Hellebuck has played uh, yeah. You'd give hell about two days in between these games. And then, as you mentioned, three days off before he presumably be back in the net against Buffalo next Tuesday back home. Yeah. So Eric Comrie, I'd be stunned if he doesn't play one of the two games, but I'm with you, Huss. If I'm the Jets, I'd actually consider putting Comrie uh, in against Seattle and having Hellebuck go against Vancouver. And that's for a couple of reasons. I think the Jets, you know, sure they won their last back to back 
against Calgary, right? That was with Connor Hellebuck in net. Um, and to me, I mean, I, I know the traditional way is you always put your backup in on the second game. I almost feel like that sends a message to the team like, hey, we're going into this one kind of knowing that the deck is stacked against us. I, I actually like the message it sends to put your number one on the second night. Um, and I also wonder, because the Jets don't play again till Tuesday, if you played Hellebuck on Friday, you're giving him an extra day of rest now between these two games, but you're also bringing him one day closer to his next start. And we know he's a creature of habit. He likes getting into a certain rhythm. The Jets aren't going to skate Saturday or Sunday this weekend, Huss. They're taking Saturday, they're going to travel, and Sunday that they're, they're having an off day. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me. And if I'm Paul Maurice, I would actually consider switching it up and having Comrie go against the Kraken. Uh, Comrie already played once in Vancouver on a back-to-back. Uh, so why not switch it up and have Connor Hellebuck? In fact, Huss, when's the last time Hellebuck played in Vancouver? It seems like the Jets are always in Vancouver on a back-to-back. I mean, Lorne Brassois got a bunch of starts against <laughs> Vancouver, and now Eric Comrie. I think Connor Hellebuck, he's probably saying, I want to face these guys. I, I never get to see them. Yeah, no doubt. And obviously with Smiling Bruce now behind the bench, they got a big win, a shutout win last night. I mean, that yeah. is not going to be a, you know, a, a walkover game by any stretch. And I mean, they already sort of gave up two very winnable points earlier on when the team was sure. really struggling. So I'm with you. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot this week, just kind of projecting through the week, looking at the schedule. And I mean, with Hellebach have been playing, I think what's he's played the last 10 games or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, he got pulled, of course, early in that game um, against Minnesota. So but th- other than that, you're right. He's he's on a run here of making a lot of starts for sure. Well, anyways, I, you know, we're going to see Eric Conry at one point, And I think the traditional way of thinking, throwing the backup in for the second game, sort of the the scheduled loss, if you will. Right. I, I, I'd love to see them switch that up. And to your point, give Hellebuck an opportunity to play against the Canucks. But we'll worry about that down the road tonight. It is Rod the Bot and the Carolina Hurricanes coming in to uh, take on the Winnipeg Jets. And a lot of people will be listening to this later on into the evening, maybe. And we may already have the official word, but um, right. what are you thinking? Five for Spezza? I'm going to predict four. Uh with the idea that it shouldn't be any less than four. If it's less than four, to me, that's that's a miscarriage of justice because, as I said, I think that was far more predatory than what Neil Pionk did. And, you know, if it hadn't led to an injury, I'd maybe have said, okay, three. Uh, there's an injury, so I think the number has to start at four. But, yeah, five wouldn't surprise me, that's for sure. Well, uh, as I said, we'll uh, be all over that. We'll talk about it tomorrow and break down tonight's game with the Jets and the Carolina Hurricanes. Mike, great to talk to you. And I was I was so excited to talk to you about Sunday because, I mean, you are a Winnipeg guy. I know you were at both games. It was, uh, it, it was a day that we'll always remember. Hopefully the Jets can continue building off the weekend and uh, hopefully the Winnipeg Blue Bombers can uh, get the job done on Sunday. How do you feel about the Grey Cup? We might not speak before then. Uh, you like right. the Bombers' chances? I do. Uh, you know, I, I, I like... I almost like the fact that there's this added bit of adversity that they're they're going to, you know, they have to beat Hamilton in Hamilton's backyard, right? Which, you know, I wrote the other day, the, the five turnovers against Saskatchewan, in a way, that almost made the victory sweeter for the Bombers, that they had to overcome. They haven't had a lot of adversity this season. 
So, you know, they handled that really well, I thought. And they're going to have some more this weekend, in a, you know, going into enemy territory in a hostile environment. So I think that would make the victory even sweeter if you're the Bombers. And I'm sure they will be ready to go. Uh, I'm ready to go, Huss. I'm excited. I'm off to Seattle tomorrow. I'm on this road trip with the Jets. So uh, it'll be my first look uh, at Seattle and the newest franchise and the newest rink. They got the dueling scoreboards, the two scoreboards uh, in Climate Pledge Arena. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, what should be a really exciting sports week coming off a, a memorable sports day on Sunday. Well, you know what? I mean, you've done a great job on your social media channels of popping up pictures when you're on the road. Do yes. a bunch on on in Seattle because I think everyone's interested to see uh, what that arena looks like. And it definitely will be much less unnerving than your photo of the catwalk in Calgary, which is maybe the most terrifying spot in the National Hockey League if you have to traverse that. The catwalk of terror, Huss. Uh, people often ask me, what's your favorite arena? What's your least favorite arena? The Saddledome in Calgary is an absolute dump. They can't get rid of that place quick enough. And they are building a new rink. Uh, RIP to the Saddledome uh, and good riddance to it as well. Uh, thank you again for the beautiful festive backdrop for our conversation yes. today, Mike. Uh, oh, there Remus is showing there. the video right now. Just imagine I'm, walking on this, folks. It's shades of the old Winnipeg Arena, if you recall that. I mean, it is. So, just to let readers know, because I don't think there's audio here, as I'm walking above the scoreboard, like you literally, you can see it coming up. You are above the scoreboard. When I was walking there the other day, they decided that was the perfect time to test the goal horn out. I nearly I nearly jumped over the side out of my shoes when that horn buzzed. Uh yeah, that is just that is not fun at all and I I I'm afraid of heights so that was my worst nightmare right there. Well, hey uh pal, thanks for doing this and we'll look forward to all of your coverage on the Jets out on the road including the first ever game between Winnipeg and the Seattle Kraken coming up on Thursday night, the first of back-to-backs on the West Coast Friday night taking on the Canucks. Uh enjoy the game tonight and thanks as always yeah. for your time, Mike. Thanks, take care. There it is. At Mike McIntyre WPG, make sure you're following him on Twitter. You'll see some neat stuff on the road from the road when Mike gets out there and all of his reports in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. Man, great crowd here today. Uh, if you're new, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We love having you here. And do us a favor. It helps us spread the channel. That little thumbs up there. Do us a favor. Plug that thumbs up. Give us a like and uh, help us keep growing Winnipeg Sports Talk. Lots of interesting stuff from Coach Maurice today heading into tonight's game. We're going to get to that in just a second. Do want to say a big shout out and thank you and happy anniversary to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Big party last Friday celebrating the fifth anniversary of the brewery here in Winnipeg. Crafting Manitoba's favorite local brew, the iconic 1919. But there's a new brew from Little Brown Jug celebrating the five-year anniversary, it is called the Brute IPA. It's a celebratory beer brewed for Little Brown Jug's fifth anniversary, a champagne-like dry IPA with flavors of citrus and stone fruit. Had a couple of those with Andrew Collier at the event on Friday before the game. Um, they've also got beautiful five-year tulip glasses to enjoy them in as well, not to mention a great new line of Little Brown Jug toques and amazing gift boxes available for the holidays. You can select one of the curated gift boxes or create your own by adding some merch and beer, adding the custom gift box to the cart, and they'll put it together for you to deliver. That is all available 
online at littlebrownjug.ca or pop into the tap room, maybe try one of your own, and uh, they can do it up right there for you at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue. Um, of course, I, I, I mentioned this yesterday. Princess Auto, great sponsors of ours. We've done all the curling reports. We didn't even get to the big Brendan Botcher, Darren Molding breakup on the weekend. That was the talk of the curling community. Um, but Princess Auto, great sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And all year long, they've been putting out after each game the bomber teammates of the game. And I said yesterday, I thought the Princess Auto teammates of the game should be the bomber O-line and Andrew Harris. But I think they actually made an even better decision Check the Bomber Twitter today. The teammates of the game are, in fact, you, the fans, uh, because the fans are such a big part of what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have done this year. Never more impressive than that turnout at IG Field on Sunday afternoon, braving the elements and cheering the Bombers onto the Great Cup. So uh, shout out to Bomber fans, a very much deserving teammates of the game for the Bombers as they're going back to the Grey Cup. Of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Every time I mention Princess Auto, I look in the chat and I see a number of people going, that's my favorite store, best store ever. Well, if you have one of those people in your family, might be a good place to think about some holiday shopping over at Princess Auto. Two locations in Winnipeg. And of course, you can shop 24-7, 365 online at Princess Auto auto.com all right let's get to the boston pizza scoreboard for tonight of course the jets hosting the carolina hurricanes here in winnipeg but a busy busy tuesday blue jackets at leafs lightning at habs islanders at senators predators at red wings the ducks are in buffalo to take on the Sabres. panthers and blues going at it in st louis rangers and blackhawks Wild and Oilers in Edmonton and the late game, the Calgary Flames on the West Coast to take on the San Jose Sharks in Northern California. So whichever is your local Boston pizza, it'll be a great place to watch the Jets and Canes tonight, as well as maybe some of the other games around the league. Boston pizza always has center ice and can get the game on you want. And while you're there, you'll be able to eat those great pizzas, the ice-cold schooners, Boston wings, and so much more. And if you're not heading out tonight, you can always get the great taste of BP by calling your local location or simply ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Um, Remo, great hour on the program. Chris Walby talking bombers. Mike McIntyre getting ready for the Winnipeg Jets game tonight. And uh, everything coming out of Sunday's game between the Jets and the Maple Leafs. And I know you were <laughs> having some fun with me before the program talking about what was coming out of the Leafs' availability earlier today before they get back in the ring. They're going at it against the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight, but didn't seem like there was a lot of talk about the Blue Jackets today. It was all about the Winnipeg Jets. It was all about Neil Pionk and the pending suspension of Jason Spezza. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, the big topics there. And I know people are going to say, why are the Leafs talking about this? I guess they're being asked. And uh, Mark Masters was there. He had some tweets. Uh, I'll bring him up right now. Hold on. I got him in the wrong thing. He says, has Nylander checked to see when the Leafs face the Jets again? I saw it already. We'll see. He said, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't know what that means, Hus. But... Nothing more hilarious than a guy like Nylander talking tough. What the hell's Nylander going to yeah. do? So here, we're... <laughs> 
I guess Nylander was talking about Rasmus Sandin getting hurt. He said, you wish, obviously wish something would have happened out on the ice, like a penalty or something, but what, what happened happened. That's forgotten. We'll move it on until we play them later on. So the, the Leafs know. They know the schedule. You know, usually you're, you're, the t- players are like, I just know what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. We're taking it one day at a time. But the Leafs are not taking it one day at a time, Huss. They're taking it, you know, they're playing Columbus tonight, but also circled March uh, 31. And there was one other line from uh, Sheldon Keefe. He was asked about um, about Jason Spezza. I think I said, that it, said it earlier. One sec, I got to pull, pull the thing up. Well, while you do that, I, yeah. I'll just say this. I hope the Jets are able to maintain their composure tonight and just focus on the Carolina Hurricanes because um, the fact that William Nylander has circled March 31st on the calendar um, is something that, you know, they're going to, how are they going to be able to sleep at night knowing that Nylander Mm -hmm. has that number, has that date circled on the calendar? Major, major trash talk between these teams. Yeah, and so the Sheldon Keefe was asked what he thinks about the Spezza suspension, and I think a lot of people in the chat, I put over, someone said do the over under three and a half games. I think that's that's too low. It's like probably over, over five. Yeah, you'd like you'd like to think like to think so, the hill like that. He says everybody that's involved in the game knows Jason Spezza and his character very well. I would expect or hope that is taken into account. Oh, so I get. Or what you're saying is he a good hockey guy? Good, good hockey guy. Yeah, good, good hockey, hockey guy. man. Good hockey Should man. That, you know what? Hopefully Take they it. do consider that. You know, you're. You know, yeah. if he was a jerk, then you know yeah. maybe, you know, kneeing a defenseless player in the head would be dealt with a little more harshly. But because he is, by all accounts, a good guy. Yeah. Um. You know, they should take it easy on him. I think. Yeah, I thought so, and you know, they didn't take it easy on Mark Shafley with the four game playoff suspension you'd like you'd like to think that they do something similar i know it's regular season maybe it's double that isn't like one playoff game equal to regular season game have we gone with that equation isn't that the equation but um we'll see and you know we've seen so many illegal hits over the last year against the jets go unpunished um brady kachuk i think had matthew kachuk so i'm kind of not expecting much but i'll be i'll be surprised if they do the right thing here <laughs> well, uh, who knows? We might even get some word on that by the end of the program. More likely late this afternoon, I'd say, probably heading into pregame. Uh, we'll get word on this, but in-person hearing, which allows them to spend suspend for more than five games. And Neil Pionk, if you're just joining the program, was suspended yesterday for two games, um, but he'll miss a minimum of three. He won't be in the game tonight, and as Paul Maurice said, and we'll hear from him in just a minute, he will not be traveling with the team out to the West Coast for the games against Seattle or Vancouver as he is in concussion protocol. We'll hope that Pionk will be back in the lineup when the Jets get back next week to take on the Buffalo Sabres on the 14th here in Winnipeg. But we've kind of alluded to it. Lots of interesting stuff from Paul Maurice today. Uh, Some more fallout from the game on Sunday, uh, as well as his thoughts and his thoughts on the lineup tonight without Neil Pionk, Stanley moving to the off wing to play with Brandon Dillon, a whole bunch of good stuff from the coach. So uh, let's hear from Paul Maurice right now on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. For tonight, um, well, we first you want to bring a player in in bowl. He hasn't played in a while. You want to put him on his natural side and, and get him most comfortable. I know he's played the offside, but going back to an idea of Logan Stanley generates offense as well. If you get into a game where you're um, chasing it a little bit and you wanted to go five instead of four, 
could Logan play his offside? So we had been talking about that last week. We actually had him run on the offside in practice there when Neil was out from his shot block the other day. And he's played the right side, but so does Brendan Dillon. So we'll run those two together. And... Um, but we may flip-flop them based on comfort. But it's also something we want to see. We want to see if Logan can play his offside and how Brendan feels over there, see what the two can do. And Logan's played exceptionally well, so in terms of bumping minutes, we want to get his minutes bumped up. Just going back to Pionk, he didn't play much after the play in question. Is yeah. he all right? Or? No, he's in the concussion protocol. He's not making the trip with us. Thank you. So who, do you know who you're bringing up yet? And No, I, there's, there's lots of pieces that go into this, and, and one of them would be... Um, they're on the road the moose they'll come home um might be easier to get a guy into van than necessarily get a guy into seattle so if we can go in healthy into seattle we may not uh we'll see where we are after tonight's game before we decide what we're doing but it is the reason that uh, riley nash had to go on uh go on waivers yesterday right okay um let's start with logan stanley i guess i mean he does the i don't know if you want to call it the touchdown celebration okay what do you what do you think of that in that game in that scenario? Let the players play. I I don't I I really don't. Here here's my theory. I wear a suit, right? So um, I don't yell at players on the other team. Never have. I think if you're Daryl Sutter or uh, Craig Berube and you wanted to, but you probably have that right. You, you've been there. So in some ways, you're an observer to what happens on the ice. You're not you're not part of that. The emotions in the game were really high, and it, it wasn't a normal game. We've been to the Tuesday night games where it's a quiet up and downer, and that's it. That wasn't that kind of game. So I enjoy the extra caffeine maybe in the game. It was good. So guys, get excited. Get excited. You I'm not trying to tamp down any of the emotion in a hockey game. Everybody that paid for those seats got their money's worth and have some fun. I don't think you addressed it after the game, but it seemed like you were – Maybe yelling at a certain coach on the other side there. Was that Caffeine just- again falls. Say like that's all part of it. We get excited too, right? It's a little too heavy on the espresso before the game. Um, yeah, it was all in good fun. <laughs> how, how much does this uh, decision also to play uh, Nathan with Dylan? Go back to, I think, when you first traded for Dylan. Yeah. Were they not the defense? Right. So we're trying to keep things as normal as we can for Nathan coming in. Those two guys have played together quite a bit. Um, it, it just a bunch of things fit together. We, we were interested in what Logan could do on the right side and then uh, what he and Brendan would look like. Um, and and Dylan might be the easiest guy to play with. And Brendan and uh, DeMello might be the easiest guy to play with in terms of his games almost identical every single night. So that's a good one for Bo to come in on. We had a, a good chat with Evgeny uh, Sveshikov and learned a little bit about him and his road to get here and his brother's road to get here and what the parents went through. Did you know much about that? And the- Not a whole lot. I did meet his dad, though, yesterday. He has as much English as I have Russian, so it was a short conversation. <laughs> we traded a few Dobrogutars and good mornings and things like that. You get a sense, though, uh, what the family would have gone through to, 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 to uh, shepherd the boys to the NHL, and, and there's some... You can maybe see some humility in him, and we've heard that about his brother. I mean, is that right. so? You seen the, the humbleness and the, the, the considerate, compassion side of him? You you can feel it from him. One of the things that you know, if you, what I would what I would say maybe I left with uh, from my time in Russia, and, and this attaches to my experience with Evgeny. 
it's extreme over there. The country's extremely beautiful. It's extremely vast. Um, but there's a hope in people. I mean, it's a harsh climate over there. And, and uh, the standard of living in some places is a little tougher than maybe we have over here in North America. But they have a brilliant hope about them, like a positivity about them. Um, in what I would consider pretty tough circumstances at time, and that's exactly what Evgeny's personality is. This guy is so positive about everything. He is incredibly polite, funny as hell, which is usually, I think, a sign of extreme intelligence, right? If you can be funny in two languages, if you can be, I should say, I don't know if he's funny in Russian, because I can't say that, but I know he's funny in English. So if you're funny in a second language, you're probably pretty funny but you're certainly pretty smart. But he has this kind of, he's an energy giver. He's in the room. He's funny. You guys all saw the, the mic'd up show that he did there. That's just him. That's not him putting on a show. That's just what he's like. He called, you know, Stan goes by the bench after a hit the other night and he screams, way to go, Stanzilla. He's just funny, right? And, and, and hopeful and bright. And he's been a great pickup for our team. Well, we see that shot every day in practice. We saw it in the game the other night. How does that get to become a more frequent occurrence for him at this level? I think I think right now it's actually playing with the guys he's playing with because he deferred on a whole bunch of pucks when he played with Dubois and Connor. And, and that just makes you smart. Like, why wouldn't you give it to those two guys, right? They both can shoot it and they both can score. But what we didn't see was him shooting the puck. And, and you get out with a different player. It's almost like Kristen Veselainen right now playing with Lauer and Stastny. Now you're seeing Vest shoot the puck a whole heck of a lot more because both those guys have told him, shoot the damn puck. So you get a green light with the guys that you're playing with and you start to shoot the puck more and your confidence starts to come and you start to think like that. And that's really what would open the door at some point for him coming back in and playing with players that can also make plays. What type of opportunity is this for Logan? I mean, just to be... I would say it's his first opportunity to play bigger minutes, but it absolutely won't be his last. He's going to do that. His game this year has been really good, really like solid and, and improving all the time. The conversations that you have with the young defenseman we would have had, no, I don't know, daily, but certainly weekly with him last year about moving your feet, about reading plays with those conversations. I mean, the video that Charlie Huddy shows him now is the other end of the video that he showed last year it's this is what you look like when you're moving your feet this is good keep doing that now we're talking about more advanced reads and things so he's got that basics down and everybody goes through their ups and downs but for a guy who's in his second full year in the nhl we're not worried about his play much anymore so he's going to get an opportunity to play more minutes we've got a good structured veteran decor when everybody's healthy but that opera this isn't a one-off for him that he's got to show whether he can do it he can do it he's going to do it um, it's probably going to take a little longer than he would want, but that was his development curve as well. Right? He drafted in the first round, took some time to develop. He's going to take some time to develop into a top four, but he's going to get there and he's going to stay there. I'm sorry, you're asking this, but what did you think the reaction with the hands going up in the last game and just kind of the reaction from the bench and maybe even post-game? Well, he's six foot seven, so I'm not saying anything to him. <laughs> Good for you. Mr. Stanley? Uh, Mo, I was just reflecting. Oh, there's story, there's cameras yeah. and microphones. I was just reflecting with Tim Gleason and, you know, about, among other things, the 2009 run. You had him play with Corvo, but he said to me. This isn't going to be a church bell story, is it? 
Okay. <laughs> I did, you know what? If you learn things, new things as well okay. as I know you every day. Okay. Said, he hadn't had, he wasn't used to coaches checking in with him at morning skates. Yep. And then you, as we're just after a long skate, always did that. And that's the strongest impression that you left with him. Tommy Webster, anybody. Is there any, that facet of who you are? Can you point to where that came from? Um... I think I've changed over the years, and I think being a dad is, uh, I truly think that being a father has changed a lot for me, how you view, they were always just hockey players. And then you get a little bit older, and you realize they're, they're sons, and some of them are fathers now. Um, but you check in with your kids all the time, right? And if there's somebody out there, and, and sometimes that's kind of my connection to the player, everybody's... Your conversations are hockey-related, but then they're completely different with each player, how they start, how they finish. Um, so some guys, you just check in, how you doing? Especially the guys like Timmy's a quiet man, right? He's, 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 uh, and he's a hard man, and he plays hard, and you wouldn't know whether Timmy Gleason had a broken finger or not or a broken foot. So a lot of times you watch the game that he played the night before, 100 hits for and against and battled and battled and battled. I just checking to see how his body's doing, how's his brain's doing. He had he he, he was a good, hard, old school defenseman, um, and as you know, a really likable character once you get to know him a little bit. All right, there's there's Coach Maurice. I was, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes we're we're spoiled a little bit by the entertainment we get from some of these press conferences, but I mean, right there at the end, a couple absolute zingers. First of all, asking what he said. What he said to Logan Stanley after his uh, impromptu celebration heading to the dressing room. And uh, nice one, Mr. Stanley. And then Remus, of course, anyone that saw the infamous Kevin Weeks Spittin' Chicklets interview knew exactly what Maurice was referring to when he asked about, uh, when he said they weren't talking about church bells, were they? That was someone from Carolina asking, I think it might have been uh, Trip Tracy. Um, just re- referencing former Carolina defenseman Tim Gleason and uh, Maurice, like this isn't going to be a church bell story. Yes, referencing <laughs> his what his speech to Kevin Weeks, big old church bells going in, going into the uh, the playoff game. Some interesting stuff about the Jets lineup. I think a lot of questions about the defense pairings, putting Logan Stanley, moving him up with Brendan Dillon, and putting Bull U with Dylan Demel. I think they want to spread out um, the D. They don't want to stack. You know, stack uh, Dylan and DeMello together and then have Bullyu and Stanley. I'm not sure how many minutes that Bullyu Stanley pairing uh, would get. He did reference there, look, they're going to start with this. They're going to see how it goes. And if they need to switch at some point, I think they'll be open to do that. But let's see what happens. And I agree. I mean, we have some some time to pull, call up a D and maybe you do call up a more offensive D like a Hainala or I'm not sure who to, you know, add it on the power play because we'll have to see how the power play is changed now. With no Neil Pionk and uh, no more uh, no more right shots. Uh, I've never seen so many left shots uh, on one team. It's it's pretty wild. It, it is uh, weird. Now, um, Remo, maybe I'm just going to quickly um, finish up our uh, our spots for our friends over at Nick and Nicky and whatnot. But uh, grab that new piece of merch uh, that the Jets are putting out. We'll talk about that in just a second, folks. You're going to want to see this. Um, a big shout out though, to our friends at the Nick and Nicky DQ Group. I know it's cold outside, but DQ has some of the best on-the-go food around, and um, you can pick it up. The incredible new uh, steakhouse burger. 
my personal favorite, the Ultimate Grill Burger. Chicken fingers are amazing. Um, and, of course, all the incredible ice cream treats that we here in Winnipeg even like when it's minus 20 outside. The Nick and Nikki DQ Group, four locations in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba, the DQ in Niverville, the DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ on St. Anne's. And DQ St. Anne's, much to the delight of everyone in St. Vital, is now open year-round, not closing like it did before now that Nick and Nikki are running it. So um, you can also basically get them, you know, maybe you want don't want to go out tonight, but you'd love the great taste of DQ. You can hit them up on Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats as well. And if you want to maybe get a bomber-themed ice cream cake for the weekend, hit them up on Instagram, at DQ Manitoba. They'll get it customized, ready for you to pick up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. Um, I, I don't know. I'm still looking to see if we can actually get a number on just how many of how many Canadian clubs were poured at the game on the weekend um, at IG Field. But trust me, even though they were having a tough time actually processing um, transactions, uh, the bartenders were working overtime and uh, it kept people out of warm. Of course, the holidays are here and nothing makes a uh, holiday festivities even more festive than the great taste of Canadian club. And uh, all month long, uh, Canadian club displays are up for the holidays at your local Manitoba liquor marts. You can scan your air miles card when purchasing a Canadian classic 12 year or a CC original 40 ouncer for a chance to win 5,000 air miles. There are also bonus air miles that you get on each bottle. And for those of you that are still looking or thinking about that incredibly limited edition Canadian Club 44-year-old reserve, there are less than 40 available in the province right now. So check out your local Manitoba Liquor Mart or go online as to where you can find it. Um, you know, an incredibly limited run. The 42 is incredibly popular. The 43, the 44 is out now. They started off with 70 bottles for the entire province and uh, now at about half that would make a great holiday gift for the uh, rye lover in the family. Big thanks to Canadian Club. Check it out at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, we will get to our cool bet lines of the day in just a minute. Check on the Grey Cup line. Talk about what's going on in the National Hockey League tonight. Uh, but, Remo, just while we were doing the show, I'll give a shout-out to Josh Dudas who just sent over. Uh, the Jets have turned a product around very quickly coming off of Sunday's big, big win. Um, and as much as the win and everything on the ice was fun, a lot of people were talking about the great post-game ceremony where Logan Stanley got the uh, got the helmet and said, and they were paraphrasing, if you will, Let's go have fun and be responsible. And the let's go have fun and be responsible t-shirt, apparently a limited edition has just been launched by the team. Well done. I mean, th- we haven't really seen too many of these post-game videos, Hus, from the Jets. Uh, they've been doing them more this year where they give out the helmet and you kind of get a look into it. But you saw that video. They We showed it yesterday uh, It was on the, the show. best one by a hundred times over anything that we've seen before. Usually they're short, four or five seconds. Mm-hmm. This one was um, was elite. I'm actually shocked they even left that edited uh, line in. But, I mean, how could you take it out? It was, uh, I mean, it showed the emotion. And it gave birth to the incredible caption, let's have go have fun and be responsible. So they made it into a t-shirt. Well done, Jets. Well done, uh, Jets social media team. Who? Someone come together. Someone needs to come out and take credit 
for that that caption because I mean everyone in the in the room like holding the hands up like the touchdown Logan Stanley <laughs> they're all having a good time and you hear him say in the today we played earlier that they're you know they're close knit team I believe it from what we've see, what we saw there um, love beating the Leafs uh, I mean the Leafs are still reeling uh, from that game they haven't stopped talking about it the Jets have moved on. Uh, although we'll wait and see. The Leafs sound just yeah. about as triggered as their fans are right now. Yes. And that's saying something if you've at all been on social media over the course of the last 36 hours. Yes, I, I, they're very upset. I mean, Sheldon Keefe was actually talking about how Austin Matthews hasn't drawn a penalty this year. Now, I think it was pretty clear to everyone that Austin Matthews was holding PLD's stick. He wouldn't let go. PLD was just trying to get the stick back from from Austin Matthews. And uh, I thought they should have both gone gone to the box there. It's pretty pretty obvious Pretty clear and obvious to everyone, and what what really happened happened there. But yeah, they haven't stopped talking, so uh, it's kind of it's kind of fun. Yeah. Anyways, kudos and, and whoever it was the, that was putting that video together for the Jets did such a great job with the <laughs> with the let's have fun, go have yes. fun, and be responsible line, and uh, turning into a shirt. Uh, I'm sure there's already some people that are. Uh, going to try to get their hands on one of those just in time for the Christmas season. All right. Uh, it's been a great show. We will get to the cool bet lines in just a minute. Uh, but before we do, Remo, I do want to mention the Winnipeg Ice made a big, big trade yesterday. Um, the Edmonton Oil Kings were coming to town tomorrow and on the weekend. The top two teams in Canadian junior hockey going at it at the Ice Cave. If you haven't been to an ice game, this is the week to do it. Of course, the Jets are off tomorrow and then off on Saturday and Sunday. So it's a perfect time to get out there without a conflict with the pros going. And um, the ice have required the Spokane Chiefs captain, Jack Finley, um, in a trade. Finley comes to the ice in exchange for Chase Berthelet and James Form and a second round pick in 2024. Uh, Finland is on the uh, selection camp roster for Team Canada, a 6'6", 223-pound forward. And Remo, when you think about the way the ice have started this year and just how good they've been all season long, uh, this is, I don't want to say it's an arms race between Winnipeg and Edmonton, but uh, I think I've heard, you know, from some people on the inside that, you know, Winnipeg was in on Caden Gooley. They weren't able to get him. Um, But man, to add another big player like this, um, they are getting ready, not just to try to make a run at the division or even the Western Hockey League title, uh, but this team has and should have their sights set on a Memorial Cup with what they've accomplished so far. And uh, now you get another big body coming in, an experienced scorer, a veteran player in the league, a top prospect of the National Hockey League coming to Winnipeg. Um, Matt Cockle, James Patrick, and the guys at the ice not resting on their laurels. It's still all systems go. Yeah. I think they lost a game last week, and uh, changes had to be made. Huss, God, you can't, you can't go <laughs> losing losing games if you're the ice. Uh, Twenty two, two and one. Uh, I enjoy the goal differential. Uh, what is it? One hundred twenty nine goals, four fifty one against. Yeah, I lost a game. Heads are rolling at the ice. What are we gonna do? We got to get better. Got to got to be primed uh, for the playoffs. Uh, you know, that's that's a ways away. But, um, yeah, I mean, pretty cool to see the success we're having. Uh, we're following, you know, we're following it here from a distance. And, I mean, incredible season so far. 900 winning 
percentage. Not 900. Uh, you know what? I'll talk to Munzee. I think we've got some tickets. We'll maybe do some tickets for that game tomorrow. Um, uh, and I might actually have to get out to the game either Wednesday or Saturday to see this matchup between the Ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings. All right, before we finish the show, let's get to the cool vet lines. We'll be uh, giving you the latest on the Grey Cup line throughout the week. And right now, it's still Winnipeg Blue Bombers, four-point favorites against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The over-under, I do like the over, I think, right now. I think I'm, I'm confident in saying I do like over 43-and-a-half. I think the Bombers' offense is certainly going to score more, and I do think Hamilton's good enough that they'll get a few in on the Bombers. So uh, I do like the over 43-and-a-half, barring it turning into what we saw in Buffalo yesterday. Uh, as far as the National Hockey League goes, a very busy day today in the league. Uh, starting it off with the Jets and Hurricanes. The uh, Jets, a very slight home underdog, minus 104. Carolina, minus 112. Uh, very close to a pick em. That's the game we'll be focusing on. Some of the other favorites tonight. Nashville, a slight road favorite, minus 128 over Detroit. Tampa laying minus 222 in Montreal. Uh, Dustin Nielsen and I actually did our picks today on the lock shop. Uh, I like Buffalo, I like Anaheim, and I like the Lightning on the puck line, minus one and a half, uh, but minus 222 straight up on the number. Islanders Islanders are a big road favorite right now, which is insane because they haven't won in what seems like forever. Uh, Ottawa, plus 124, home dog against the Islanders. Uh, the Leafs, minus 263, big favorite at home against the Blue Jackets even if they're still all bent about the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we got the Blues and Panthers. Panthers road favorite. Some good opportunity for home dogs today, I will say this. Plus 130 for the Blues. We mentioned the Jets minus 104 at home. Uh, the Blackhawks, another home dog. Ma- plus 109, home to the Rangers. The uh, Edmonton Oilers, slight favorite, minus 122. Although a couple straight losses, some, some nerves getting in in Edmonton, probably some PTSD from what's happened over the last few years, but uh, should be a great matchup. They're taking on the Wild. I know everyone in the Central Division would like the Oilers to get back in the win column and take care of Minnesota. And the Calgary Flames, minus 152 favorites in San Jose to take on the Sharks. I do like Calgary in that game tonight. Um Just before we go, we should finish up. I I mentioned this earlier, I think, when we were talking with uh, Mike McIntyre. But Boost Brudrow, back in the win column in Vancouver. We'll certainly have to talk more about Bruce and uh, the Canucks going into Friday's game against the Winnipeg Jets. But maybe the coolest thing about it, i got to give a dap to the fans who had been chanting fire Benning all season. Well, they got Bruce behind the branch, and uh, then it wasn't whoop, there it is, you were hearing it. It was Bruce, there it is. Pretty hilarious night and a great night for the Canucks who've had such a miserable season shutting out the Kings in Bruce's debut on the Canuck bench. Yeah, like the move uh, to bring him in as coach. It is. I know I was listening to uh, Frank Cervelli's podcast. He was saying how you know they find it interesting that you know basically ownership and not the management bringing him in, regardless. He's had a, a history of success, and uh, seems like a change there was needed. And hey, paid early dividends. The the big bump, big win yesterday against the Kings for not only a win, a shutout. So uh, let's see. And some interesting comments in chat about if Bruce Boudreau can fix. With the Canucks, uh, he's got to fix the penalty kill. I think he's among the worst in the league. And more importantly, get can you get Elias Pedersen going? Finally. Uh, it's been a, a rough one for him. Uh, we will see. So uh, good for him for getting back, getting back to the NHL here with the Canucks. Busy night tonight in the National Hockey League. Uh, we'll be all over 
tonight's game on tomorrow's show with the latest on the Jets as they head out to the West Coast to take on the Kraken and Canucks on Thursday and Friday. And, of course, Grey Cup week coverage continues all right through till the weekend here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll be all over the Bombers who are touching down this afternoon in Hamilton. So we'll have more from the Hammer tomorrow as things get going for Grey Cup week, albeit still a little different than normal uh, with COVID being around. But the bottom line is it's all about the football game on Sunday. The Ticats hosting the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as the Bombers look to defend the Cup and run it back. Um Thanks again to all of our sponsors, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club, and Cool Bet Canada. Uh, I can't wait for this game tonight. I'll be there. Say hi if you see me. And folks, let's all have fun and be responsible tonight. Enjoy the evening. We'll be back tomorrow with the latest on the Bombers at the Grey Cup and the Winnipeg Jets right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. On your way out, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and give us the thumbs up, and we'll see you tomorrow right here on WST. Oh, my God! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 